KFI AM 640 handle here on a Saturday morning. And right after this show, it's Leo Laporte with the tech show, Leo being the tech guy, and followed by Neil Saavedra with the Fork Report. And uh, right after that, it's uh, Mo Kelly from 6 to 8, Monique Marvez, 8 to 10, and then it's A Dark Secret Place with uh, Brian Suits. It's a full Saturday, to say the least. This is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice. So when is a home a home and not a boat? Well, that's exactly what the U.S. Supreme Court had to decide. And uh, they agreed with Fane Lozman that his home, his floating home, was a house and not a vessel, a boat subject to seizure by a Florida city. Because... Uh, Under the law, the city, if there is a violation, for example, of birthing laws, uh, or that's birthing as in birthing a boat as opposed to having a baby birthing. And uh, he uh, the city took the uh, took the took the quote uh, house. And here's what he said. The city said it's a boat. There it is. It's a floating home is a boat. Well, it's a 60 by 12 foot floating home now. No engines, no sails, no rudders. Had to be towed to a marina where he took up residence, that's Lozman, before getting into a fight with Florida over its plans to turn the marina over to a developer. And uh, Lozman said the city, his their city, uh, the actions were in retaliation for his opposition to turning the, uh, the marina over to a developer. And he fought and crazy. So the city uh, went to evict him. And that failed, and they sued him under maritime law in federal court, uh, trying to have the home seized as a vessel. So a federal judge sides with a city. The the boat, the home, is destroyed. And now the legal battle went all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. And Lozman said uh, that the city should, number one, reimburse him the estimated $165,000 value of the floating home that was destroyed, and $200,000 in legal fees. And, in fact, uh, the Supreme Court said, you betcha, Mr. Lozman, that's a house. That's not a boat. And send it back to the court to determine damages. The uh, appeals court, Supreme Court, never determines damages. That's always at the lower court level. But, effectively, they're telling the judge, uh, yeah, you who dismissed this case and said this thing is a boat, wrong, wrong, And so now that his house was taken, you, the city, gets to reimburse him and go to work to the judge. All right, let's go ahead and take some phone calls. All right, John. Yes, sir. Yes. Uh, Quick question. I got a moral question for you. I opened a box of cereal, name brand cereal, big cereal, been in it for years. I like it, but there was a large piece of a fingernail in there. Oh. Not a, cl- not a clipping, just a, it was Okay, a it's whole terrible. fingernail. That's lovely. Okay, and your not, question? Not, 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 not quite the whole thing. Okay. And I, I was chewing on some. It wouldn't. All right, I get right. it. So you're chewing into a fingernail. It. Got it. So what's your I question, wrapped, John? I wrapped it in a napkin. I put it off to the side. I didn't even look in the rest of the bottle of the cereal. I didn't. Most of the boxes left. I didn't check the cereal. It's been sit off to the side. Our first thing I want to do is just let the company know, and I start thinking, well, if I let them know I found something, I don't want to get sued for slander. You're not going to get sued for slander, John. You're not going to get sued for slander. Should I, should I look for handling a law for a lawyer who can cover it? Not you're not going to have a lawyer. Cover. John, you're not going to need uh, – no lawyer is going to be able to do anything because what are your damages, John? How much are well, you going to sue for? What do you think it's worth? 
Well, what's what's on the fingernail? What's in the rest of the box? The rest of the finger? The well, you find out. You open. You find out. Well, I didn't. Didn't want to do that. Well, I, you have to find. You can't say there could be the rest of the finger in the box. You can't say there might be a decomposing pancreas in the box. My first inclination was to take a lie detector test. No, no, no one cares about a lie detector. That's not going to fly. No one cares about a lie detector test. That You bring uh, that up and they're going to laugh at you. So, John, right now uh, your damages are finding a fingernail in a box of cereal and chewing on a fingernail. What is well, that I doubt, worth? I doubt, the, I doubt the poor person I lost that had any disease. No, I understand. I don't care. But what is that? Well, let me ask something. What do you think that's worth? If, you, if you're on a jury and... $10,000. $10,000. You can give it a shot because I'll tell you what I think is going to happen. You're going to send... Uh, you're going to tell the company about it. And assuming yeah. the company doesn't say you're making it up, let's say the company goes ahead and, in fact, accepts... The the uh, accepts your fact that it was a fingernail. What they're going to do is offer you three or four boxes of cereal for free. That's what you're I going hate, to get. I hate that truth coming out of you like that. I know it's a killer, isn't it? Ten thousand dollars. Yep. Why not? Uh, hi, William. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi. Good morning. Um. About a decade ago, I had to have three brain surgeries, which turned into a CSF leak, which turned into a CSF infection. Now, I understand my statute of limitations are way far gone. Right. But pre, um, out of that, there's some new conditions that have arisen from uh, the neurological tissue scarring. Does that reset my statute no. of limitations? No, it doesn't. Okay. No, you're you're out to lunch, and I'm sorry it didn't end well. I mean, you sound okay, but three brain, three separate brain surgeries for what, William? Right. I had a um, tumor on my. Um, I forget the name of it now. <laughs> it's the brain surgeries. Um, I had a tumor on my balance nerve on the left side of my brain. All right, fine. I just wanted to. Yeah, that's right. I'm already done because I am bored. Sorry, but it's not, no, it's okay. No, I'm the one that asked the question, William, and uh, you started getting wonky on me as opposed to I just I just had this huge tumor the size of a basketball on my head, and they had to take it out. Uh, William, it's um, it's a statute issue, and I, I I feel bad for you. I really do. Plus, it was done by the VA, so I guess I couldn't expect. Oh, that's another thing. Suing the VA, William. Oh, that's for for malpractice. Then you're in a different world entirely. But I always say the same thing. Call, contact a medical malpractice attorney to make sure that I know what I'm talking about, which I rarely do. All right? Go for it. This is Handle on the Law. Rocio Rivera in the KFI Newsroom. It's rolling out right now. The next version of Windows 10, Microsoft calls it the Creator's Edition. Some are calling it the Creator's Disruption. Have you had problems with it? Maybe we can help. We can talk about what's different, what's new, and how to install it safely. And, of course, answer all your tech questions. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Leo Laporte, this morning at 11, KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. Get on the box, stomp your feet, stop clapping. Got a real good feeling, something bad about to happen. Hold up to 
This is KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. Bill Handel here. Welcome back to Handle on the Law. Hi, Sandy. Hi. Yes, ma'am. I, the neighbor's dog attacked my cat. Yes. Um, I'm not sure if there's any witnesses. Um, the vet agrees, though, it had to be something on a leash. Okay. And that since the animal was moving. Wait a sec. Sandy, way, how did the vet agree that it had to be something on a leash? Because it would have been torn up to little pieces if it had been a wandering pit bull or something that hadn't been controlled by. Okay, hold on. But there were there were pieces of leash on the cat, right? No, I'm just um, I'm just curious as to why the vet would say that whoever attacked your cat had to be on a leash. That one I just don't understand. Um, the cat is normally in the area where they are walked back and forth from the apartment, and the the few dogs that are walked regularly every day um, go to the same spot every day. And if the, even if the cat was near any of that distance, then it would have gotten. Okay, but what is the? I I don't understand. I just I want to connect the leash here. I'm just fascinated by that. It has nothing to do legally. I'm just fascinated by how vet would say, looking at this cat and looking that it has been in fact attacked by a dog or attacked by whatever. But whoever attacked, but whoever attacked your cat had to be on a leash. I just don't know where because of the point where it was attacked at the back, it would have paralyzed it almost instantly, and so. Someone stopped the attack. Ah, the attack okay. Thank, got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Now, now I understand. Thank you. All right. So, what's your question, Sandy? Um, since I wasn't a witness to this, and they kind of have, um, they don't really have an invisibility, but they have a kind of test. Okay, Sandy. Do you know? Do you, do you know which dog attacked your cat? There's three of them. Then you, three different owners. No, three different dogs that get walked. So uh, it okay. any of the three, so, but I think it was one of the two larger ones. Okay, but it's all, all owned by one owner. Yes. Uh, well, here's the problem. You can't prove which dog it is. Now, you can argue that it had to be one of the three, and how do you know it was that owner that owned those three dogs? And how do you know the only it dog, The only dogs around, and the only ones that get walked. Got it. About every three okay, hours. all right, fair well, enough. So what? Years, got it. So what? I don't care about three and a half years. What you're saying is that those were the only dogs that were there, and they're the only dogs could attack. But you're not. You are not a witness. You weren't. No, but I'm a regular witness to them being walked, and they're. Doesn't very, matter. It doesn't matter. You can't say no, I didn't see. Towards anything on the other end of the leash. Uh, about Sandy. Like Sandy. Come at them. You can try. But the judge is going to say, animals and people, yeah, so. Sandy, you can try, but the judge is going to say, uh, if you didn't see it, you know what? You're out to lunch. I'm just telling you, but try in small claims court. Now, the only thing you're going to get is uh, is vet fees. How much uh, did it cost you to repair your cat? The cat still has to have surgery. All right. Um, so how much is it going to be? It's been over a month now. So. How much is it going to be total, Sandy? Um, more than two thousand dollars. Wow, I don't, boy, I don't know of any. I only make a fraction of that every month, so it's really we have to wait um, till the seed of the cat's improved. Yeah, Sandy, I've it's got news cost for you. Three hundred dollars. Yeah, there's a very good chance, Sandy, that you're going to be paying two thousand dollars and not get a dime back. I hope, I hope that cat is worth it for you. It's my companion. Cat. All right, fine. Yeah. All right, I'm not arguing that. I mean, I, I wouldn't pay fifty bucks just to uh, to fix a cat, but that's me. Uh, what can I tell you? But I'm not a cat person. Uh, and I am a dog person, but then so my limit with the dog is a hundred dollars. But that's okay. Uh, the point is, you're going to have you can sue in small claims court and argue that there it's the only way 
that a the her that your cat could have been hurt is by these dogs, and there are no witnesses. That's I a any. yeah. I that's a problem, Sandy. Yet. That's a problem. That's a big problem. Hi, Oscar. All right. So, I applied to a company to become a uh, customer service agent. It's an airline job, and I was denied the position on the basis that I have used tobacco products in the past six months. Okay, and? And I'm in California, and I believe that as long as the activity is legal and not done within business hours, um, there should be no reason for me to be discriminated against. Oh, probably you're right. There should be no reason, but here's the problem. Uh, It is not illegal for them to do what they do because no one really cares what you believe, Oscar. How How about the law? Okay, would you like me to would you like me to state the law? Oh, please do. Okay, they can uh certainly elect not to hire you because within the last 6 months you smoked. And how is that legal if it's a legal activity? Because it may be a legal activity, but they don't want to hire you. How about this one? Uh, do you skydive, Oscar? Well, yes, I do. We're not interested in hiring people who skydive. But it's perfectly legal. That's correct. We're just not interested. So, so see where you're going. Because something is because something is legal, therefore they should hire you. Oscar doesn't work that way. So there is no discrimination case. Uh, no, of course not. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Because it was legal, uh, therefore they have to hire me. Uh, come on, really? Hey, I'm ugly. And they shouldn't be able to not hire me. They should hire me and because you're discriminating against me. Yes, we discriminate against ugly people, Oscar. Hey, we're just not interested in hiring people with pimples all over their face. But but it's perfectly legal to have pimples all over my face. Yes, it is. We're not arguing that at all. This is Handle on the Law. Rocio Rivera has the latest in the KFI newsroom. When you hear Eye in the Sky, you're listening to KFI. An iHeartRadio station. This is KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk. Bill Handel, Saturday morning. Welcome back to Handel on the Law, marginal legal advice. Uh, Hello, Helen. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Yes. If I was born in one state and I was adopted eight years later in another city and state, where would I get my birth certificate? The county where you were born. Under my original name? No. Well, yeah, probably. But it's not a question of your original name. It's the mother's name, Helen. Oh, my mother. My. Uh, it's my the birth mother. Birth it's, yeah, it's the birth name. number. Right. That's where it's listed under. Those are the records. If I know her name. Right. If you have to, and if you don't know her name, then you get to hire a, uh, a private investigator to start hunting down who you were and at what point. Oh, boy. Yeah. So you were adopted at eight. What happened to between zero and eight? I guess she just didn't want me or my brother anymore. So. At eight, at age eight is yeah, is whoa, whoa. Okay. Well, what fair, a mess. Yeah, no, I understand. So uh, what I would do is take a vacation from therapy for a little while <laughs> and then try to hunt down uh, where where you came from. Yeah, 
maybe I could find out something. Yeah, you want, there are organizations out there that hunt help you hunt down your origins. Okay. And what you want to do is just starting throwing some uh, some words, some search words, uh, adoption, uh, birth certificate, and you'll 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 track all of it down after a little bit of research because there are tons of people out there in exactly the same position you are. Not as screwed up probably, but still <laughs> tons of people. Very so, true. Yeah, so give it a shot. I can see being adopted, and the argument is, okay, uh, and it goes through, gee, my mother didn't want me, whatever, but at eight, did she look at you and say, I don't want you? Wow. Okay, uh, Elizabeth. Hi, Elizabeth, you're up. Hello? Yes, ma'am. Hi, a friend of mine's husband had a spinal stenosis, and after surgery, he um, aspirated, and his heart stopped, and he died. Oh, okay. Well, it took the staff six minutes to get to him to start CPR after he aspirated. What I'm wondering is, he was attached to a heart monitor, and shouldn't a code blue have gone off? And Probably. I'm not, a, I'm not a doctor, but yeah, you would think so. So um, I was going to tell her, and maybe she should talk to an attorney. Absolutely. Oh, yes, she should talk to an attorney, Elizabeth. No question about it. Uh, how long ago did this happen? About a week ago. Oh, you're fine. Yeah, she needs a medical malpractice attorney. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Okay. And if she doesn't have one, just go to the website, handleonthelaw.com. There's tons of them, and that's a case that certainly a lawyer would sit down and talk to talk to your friend about. Okay, thank you very much. Okay. Uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. Geez, died, aspirated, six minutes. Uh, yeah, makes sense to me. Hi, Nick. Yes. Yes. A few months ago, my mom was uh, had a stroke, and um, the doctor has put her off work for a couple months. And the other day, her doctor or her supervisor sent her a termination letter. I was wondering if he can legally terminate her while she's on disability. Uh, it Probably not, but it okay. depends. Wait a sec. How big a company is it, Nick? I would say less than 10 employees. No, then there is no way that he's going to be able to uh, should be able to go after him because what is she supposed to do? what is he supposed to do? Not have an employee, keep that open, hire right. someone and then it's one of those things where if you have just a few employees, I I mean think what is so she's uh, let's say she is on disability for 1 month, 2 months, 6 months. And so think of that, who does he hire and train and then let go when uh, your mom comes back? Right. So I, I think uh, that that's not going to fly. If it was a big company, that's not a problem. But under 10 employees, uh, he can very well say, hey, I need someone to do the work. I can't afford uh, not to. So uh, I, I don't think that she has much of a case. But, of course, you know what I always say when I say you have no case, unless I absolutely know you're no case, uh, that you have no case, you may want to check this out with an, a, an employment discrimination attorney. But uh, on the other side, I don't think there's much there. But it's certainly worth calling someone and asking who knows more than I do, which is virtually everybody. But then you have to call a real lawyer. No, no, that's not true. I'm a real lawyer. No, no, no. no, no, no. I always say I'm not, but I am sort of technically, sort of, kind of. Uh, hello, Jim. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Okay, basic real estate contract question. Maybe you can help me out here. Okay. We get an offer. We're selling a house. Terrific. Multiple offers come in. One offer has a, an escalation clause. We'll pay $35,000 over your highest offer. Wow, terrific. In addition to that, they sign off on everything, including all contingencies. Done. Mm-hmm. Well, of course we're going to go with that deal. That's the best one. It's like an eBay thing. All right, that's the high, they'll be the highest bidder by thirty-five k. Right. Terrific. They sign off. We have the contract. We go, oh, my God, this is 
this is perfect. They've signed off on everything. We're set. They don't make a deposit. Two days later, they back out. Now what do we do? Well, uh, my question to you is, Bill, hold on. Well, my question to you is, at what point does a contract become valid? When it is accepted. When it is offered and the moment it is accepted, it becomes valid. Okay, so we accept their offer. Right. They've signed off. Well, we don't know. At this point, you don't know what the highest offer is. But I'm assuming it's the highest offer at the time that you accept yes. the contract. No, so you guys had a contract, assuming they knew the numbers, and here you go, you could prove the numbers. You had a contract, but now what? All right? Uh, there is a – because they wouldn't even put a deposit down, and it depends on the terms of the contract. The contract begins when a deposit is put down. That's when a contract will – this is when it will begin. You look at you look at the terms of the contract. So uh, the point is, is that, okay, you're out uh, by two days. Uh, and so what damages do you have? Well, here's, here's my question to you. We accepted the secondary offer. Okay. Yeah. And okay, fantastic. But we're technically out that 35000 you, you, you can try to sue for it. Well, I, I'm saying to you, let me ask you a very basic question, Bill. They signed off. All right. Yeah, I got you, it. You have to have a deposit to make that a valid no. contract. No. No. Because everything I keep reading, yeah, about, no, you don't you have, have to have a deposit. You don't no. have to have a deposit. Nope, it's an ex- it's an offer and acceptance. The second it is accepted, uh, and you can prove it's accepted in real estate. It has to be a written acceptance. Uh, it can be go. it can be a verbal acceptance other in other uh, uh, contracts, but not in real estate. It has to be a written acceptance. Once they said we will pay you, and they said this is it, and they sign your highest offer, and yep. you you submitted here is the highest offer. Yep, that's a contract. All right, so theoretically they owe you $35,000. You going to sue them? Well, something to think about. I don't okay. know. Okay, yeah, you can think about it. Uh, yeah, I don't want to do it if it's, if it's a slam dunk, a potential slam dunk. Uh, I don't want to waste you're going to have to hire a lawyer. Well, okay. And you, have to, look, and you have to look at uh, the terms of uh, the contract that they signed, right. and that is, is there a, a prevailing parties uh, clause where a prevailing party gets attorney's fees? You have to look at all that and see if it's okay. worthwhile. That's and, in there, you're right. Okay. And, see, and see if you can get a free consultation with a real estate guy. Okay. And that's what I would do. Nothing, nothing short of that. This is Handle on the Law. Rocio Rivera, what's the latest? This time of year means so much more than bunnies and colored eggs. I'll explain just what it means on this week's Jesus Christ Show. The Jesus Christ Show. Tomorrow morning at 7 on KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. This is KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. Bill Handel here, and welcome back to Handel on the Law Marginal Legal Advice. Sam. Hi, Sam. You're up. Yes. Hello, Sam. Yes. Yes. What can I do? For, what can I do for you, Sam? Good morning. How are you? Yes, sir. I, I called you a couple of years ago. I said I'm getting divorced because my wife, she she don't like me play gambling. And I'm from Jordan. If you remember me. Yes, of course I do. Like Five thousand yeah. phone calls later. Yes, go ahead. Anyway, I I have a car loan. I'm getting in bankruptcy, and if I call him, did he take the car away? No, yes, not if you can, no, no. If it's a car loan, you probably don't have uh, enough 
equity in the car where probably the car is worth less than the amount of money that's owed. Uh, how much money do you still owe on the car? How much? Three. You owe three thousand dollars on the car, and how much is it worth? It's maybe worth fifteen hundred. Yeah, no, you don't worry about it. No, you just keep on paying it. No one's going to touch you. You can go bankrupt all you want. Oh, okay. Yeah, don't worry about it. That that part is yeah, that's usually the case. Is uh, assets are deal uh, dealt with with the bankruptcy court. So you file for bankruptcy, and the court looks at how much money you owe versus what you have. And then if it's a liquidation, they just splits up the assets. But cars uh, are almost never, ever put into a bankruptcy unless you've got a Bentley or a Rolls Royce uh, that is uh, paid out, that's been paid for. But other than that, what you have is there's exemptions where you're allowed to have a personal car. And usually whenever there's a loan, uh, as in his case, you owe more money. Let's say you buy a car for $20,000. Uh, and so you, you you go ahead and arrange a payment schedule. Um, you finance the car. Well, the second you drive off the lot, it's $15,000 is value, and you still owe twenty. And that's the case all the way down. So, no, cars are pretty much uh, left out of it. So I wouldn't worry too much about that. Uh, hello, Mike. Hey. Uh, y- uh, yes, Mr. sir. Hando. Yes. How are you? Go ahead. Yes. Yeah, uh, I have a question. Um, I had a case. I had a case. It was a fraud case, real estate fraud case. Uh, it's uh, it's now been dismissed because of non-filing of uh, amended complaint. The the problem is that the I contacted the attorney uh, uh, within the special limitation. All right, hold and, on, wait, 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 Mike. Did uh, did you file a lawsuit, or was a file lawsuit filed against you? I filed a lawsuit. Okay, and it was dismissed. It was dismissed for non-filing of amended complaint. Okay. I first uh, contacted uh, uh, contacted the first attorney. I went to two attorneys. I contacted the first attorneys. And they took six months to file initial complaint. And because they took six months, since like a statute of limitation was an issue. And, Did you uh, lose? Did you lose on the statute of limitations? This uh, demur hearing, I, we, didn't, we didn't get to the court. We just went to uh, two demur hearings. I went to a first demur hearing, and judge mentioned strongly about uh, uh, statute limitation. And uh, the first attorney. Uh, All right, Mike, Mike, Mike. I'm going to stop you right there because you're okay. you're going way, way beyond uh, what what this show is about. Uh, you have a bankruptcy issue. You have a dismiss. Sorry, a dismissal issue. You need a civil attorney to look at it because you may have a case of legal malpractice. There's some statute issues. Obviously, the judge had some issues uh, with the statute asking you to file an amended complaint. It didn't happen on time. There was a dismissal. Yeah, you are definitely going to have to contact uh, a civil attorney on that. Just go to the website because I know the story was going to go on forever. And frankly, I didn't understand ninety percent of what you're saying anyway. All right, Eddie. Hi, Eddie. You're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Handle. Yes. I have, I have a question here. I had a rollout in my motorhome. Uh, it was a Michelin tire. was on a recall. I contacted Michelin. They said, okay, yeah, recall, send us the bill. Uh, I can't get the doctor bill for another two to three weeks. All right, wait, wait, wait. Hold on a minute. Uh, there, You had a recall, and what happened? And then Michelin just called you up and sent us the bill for what? What happened? 
Well, what happened by the tire blowing out, it tore, it made $8,000 damage to the motorhome. Ah, got it. So the tire blew out, and it was a recalled tire. That I didn't know about, and I never got a notice. Got it. Okay, and so uh, you have $8,000 damage, and what else? And so by me wrestling with the darn thing, I... uh, Pull a muscle in my chest. They thought I had a heart attack. But hassling? Wait a second. Hassling with what? With the with the with the steering wheel. Trying. Oh, to I get... see. As you were, this happened during the course of an accident when the tire blew out. Yes, sir. Got it. So there were. Uh, got it. Bodily damage. Bodily injury. Okay. Right. Now what? Yeah. So my question was: I told a guy. I got in contact with him. Filed a claim and everything. I told a guy, uh, I can't get you the bill for another four to, four to five weeks or whatever the number was. Okay. I told a guy, I'll have, I'm under Medicare, and, you know, they pay for everything. Right, all right. 20%. I said, if you pay me 20% and a small fee for my inconvenience, what about that? And so my question to you is, should I get an attorney to handle this instead of me dealing with this madness? Well, it depends on how serious your uh, medical issue is. Uh, there is $13,000. Uh, you know, I'd consider talking to an attorney, Eddie. Okay. There, there's enough money there that you want to at least talk to a personal injury attorney. Yeah, this is not one of those things where here's the medical bills and here's another $1,000. Uh, first of all, I think you're going to have a hard time even arguing the medical bill because he's going to come back. And this is typically what happens with the insurance. And this is the insurance company of Michelin, right? This is not Michelin per se. Yeah, right. that's Michelin per se. Oh, yeah, yeah. you're not. No, believe me, you're, you've just started talking to them uh, if you're on your own. Uh, this is okay. going to go. They're not going to. Uh, the, the guy that you're talking to is not going to write you a check for medical. It's going to go to their insurance company, who then is going to go through the medical and figure out what was legitimate, what wasn't. And, gee, you didn't have to go there and you didn't have to do this kind of procedure. Oh, Eddie, Eddie. Yeah, go, you have to talk to a lawyer about this. Okay? okay, you need a medical malpractice attorney. That's just that simple. All right, this is Handle on the Law. KFI AM uh, 640. Bill Handel here. Uh, hour number two of uh, the legal show. And as always, top of the hour, uh, best time to call. So if you want uh, some advice that is probably not worth it, 800-520-1KFI, 800-520-1534. That is the number to call. Uh, right after the show, Leo Laporte, 11 to 2, the Fork Report from 2 to 5 with uh, Neil Saavedra. Mo-, Mo Kelly comes aboard tonight uh, from 6 to 8. Also tomorrow from 6 to 8, Monique Marvez, 8 o'clock till 10. And Brian Suits with the Dark Secret Place. And Brian now is doing it twice uh, today and tomorrow. And uh, our new show, Home with Dean Sharp. The House Whisperer, and that's uh, from 10 to 11 o'clock, and the rest of it you hopefully know. All right. Uh, This is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice, where I tell you you have absolutely no case 
Uh, this is one of the weirdest ones that I have uh, told you about in many a year. Now, I always try to go to the weirdest, most bizarre cases that are real cases. I mean, I don't make this stuff up. These are real legal cases. And I will actually go all over the world to uh, to share with you some of these cases. Also, generally, and uh, my wife is particularly proud of me, uh, the more perverse and depraved they are, yeah, kind of the more interesting they are. And this is where I disagree with a lot of people, or they disagree with me, is uh, more apt to say. All right, so out of England uh, comes this case. Uh, Carol Bowdwich, uh, is uh, had sex with a St. Bernard, a black Labrador and an Alsatian. And the reason we know she had sex with those animals is uh, it was uh, videoed. It was filmed. Uh, there was an investigation uh, of a police investigation on a man who uh, was uh, accused and identified as organizing uh, these bizarre sex parties. And so uh, they, the authorities said, yeah, they found out that they are. And what they did is the owner... Uh, or owners of these parties, uh, well, owners of the dogs, watch their dogs having sex with women and then have sex with men. So uh, they all had a rip-roaring good time. And then the event was later posted on an Internet forum specializing in bestiality. There you go, open forum. These guys are geniuses. So uh, the police go and visit her home. They search her home, and there's a DVD and a USB stick with uh, uh, which contained film uh, of her with, with the dogs. And uh, then you can imagine what uh, the prosecutor said, uh, things like uh, those images portrayed persons committing penetrative uh, sexual acts with dogs. All the images included uh, this defendant herself carrying out the sexual activity. Okay. And when the defendant was interviewed, she admitted she had penetrative sex with dogs. And she accepted it, taking place over several years. But here is her defense. She was unaware it was illegal. She thought having sex with dogs was legal. Rongo bongo. Not in England, it's not. Although there are states in the United States where it is not illegal to have sex with animals. It was bizarre. Washington State had a case in which um, there was a man who died having sex with a horse, as you can imagine, because horses, frankly, are hung like horses. So in any case, uh, his buddy uh, helped the horse. Uh, I'm not even going to go into the graphics of it. Uh, but he died. And uh, there was no uh, physical charge. I mean, there was no charge because bestiality was uh, illegal in the state of Washington, which they changed around. So uh, there is good old Carol Bowdwich who admitted having sex, and they convicted her. Now, uh, in mitigation, her attorney, now we've already got the conviction, okay? She admitted it, done, finished. But in mitigation, her attorney said, well, hang on a minute, okay? First of all, she doesn't know it was illegal. Second of all, she's 64 years old. Third of all, uh, she had some sight issues because look how ugly those dogs are. And she has already suffered considerable public humiliation. Really? She's been ostracized by friends and family. Really? Uh, suffered that added element of pun- uh, punishment in which other cases it would not be uh, that kind of humiliation. Really? 
And uh, she was given a uh, 12-month supervision and a six, uh, 16-week uh, curfew at night. She could have had a two-year jail sentence. And the judge said what you engaged in was, first of all, lawful and secondly, disgusting. And then uh, went on to say, if you ever have a dog again, it has to be spayed. It has to be uh, gendered, the male dogs. Uh, that's actually not true. Uh, but it sounded good, didn't it? Uh, the rest of it is absolutely true. Go figure, huh? Uh, talk about a bizarre case. All right. Uh, let's, uh, let's do this. Okay, Virginia, uh, let's start with you. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi, Virginia. Hi, Bill. Um, the condo association issue relative to parking. Owned the condo about eight years, and I've got the CCRs, and all of a sudden, okay, uh, it's a small association, maybe 50, 60 condos, uh, double car garages attached, but there's very few visitor parking spaces. Each unit is issued a visitor, you know, thing to hang on the rearview mirror, but all of a sudden... Uh, because I lent my uh, parking pass to one of my neighbors so that his grandmother could park there. I'm in big trouble, and they've issued this nasty gram letter to me saying, and new rule, it's it's, it's like the regular stuff from the CCNRs, but then at the bottom, new rule, you can't lend your parking pass. Now, is is that legal? Oh, absolutely. Well, I, I'm paying. For- it doesn't matter. Well, really, uh, you're paying for uh, a uh, a condo. So what? Well, I'm you're not paying so for what? The, my part of the association. I understand, I but everybody is going to have the same rule. Uh, you can't issue. Uh, you cannot loan your your people, uh, your neighbors, uh, the parking pass. All right. You know. So yeah, the, the the board can certainly do that. I thought it was going to be uh, kind of a crazy weird uh rule but it's perfectly not only legitimate it's logical it makes a lot of sense because you start borrowing from your neighbors and all of a sudden you've taken up all the parking spaces so no many uh, nobody else has parking space uh, yeah it makes sense to me all right abby hello abby you're up welcome to handle on the law hi bill um this last week my sister and i were contacted by a research firm from utah notifying us that our cousin had died. We weren't close to him, so we were unaware. Um, Of course, the research company wants us to sign on with them. Then they'll do the initial filing, but that's about it. They don't do much else after that. So they want uh, 25% of the estate, which is we think is too high. We've done some research. we decided to go on our own. Um, the complication is that there's a neighbor of my cousin's who is claiming that he left all his estate to her, but there's no will. Then so he didn't. Think, then he didn't leave his estate to her. Right, right. So we're pretty sure that's not going to go anywhere. But she also claimed there were no uh, surviving relatives. All right, so she can claim that all she wants. Right, so, right. So, so what's happened? A, so the estate so, that has filed or has notified the court that yes, indeed, there are okay. um, surviving relatives. So um, this, the neighbor has a hearing on the next month, and um, this uh, law firm feels that they'll combine the two once. Now that they okay, this that is the firm that wants twenty five percent, correct? No, 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 no. We left him. Uh, he, All right. He's, 
So which law, is it? A, is it a law firm that you hired or a law firm that she hired? No, this is uh, somebody we hired. Okay. So, so what's your so what's your question? Um, now we know that there are six siblings okay. on the other side of the family. Got it. So what's your what's your question? The question is, what's going to ha- happen if She's, they decide to go with the research company? Um, see, we need to pick an administrator. Okay, quickly. okay, you're getting way, way ahead of the game. So, uh, are you concerned that the property is going to be handed over to the woman, the cousin, who says there's no other siblings or there's nobody else around? No, we're not concerned about that. All right, then what's your point. what's then what's your concern? I'm sort of losing it here. Um, the concern is um, if we go ahead. Um, and, and pick an administrator. What what happens with these other six they relatives? All, they all share. They all share in the estate. If there's no will, based on what you said, then you have the right. heirs of, uh, then a probate is going to be open where the survivors, the legal heirs of uh, whoever died, uh, split up uh, the uh, the assets of the estate. And the administrator right. has to do, do it. Find, how do we find them? Find what? The other sibling, the other relative. You just have to make a reasonable effort to do it. Okay. That's it. That's all the court wants you to do. Okay. All right. That's it. That was a little complicated. I think I understood that. Okay. This is Handle on the Law. Rocio Rivera in uh, the newsroom. What is the news, Rocio? Coming up today on the Fork Report, we'll talk Easter candy, of course, and then coloring Easter eggs with natural coloring and the things you have laying around the house. And if you have a cat, no joke, why your Easter lilies can kill them. The Fork Report with Neil Saavedra. Today at 2, KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. KFI AM 640. Bill Handel here on a uh, Saturday morning. Normally it would be tax day, but it's not. The 18th is uh, when you have to file your taxes. All right. 800-520-1KFI. 800-520-1534. This is uh, Handle on the Law, where I give you marginal legal advice and tell you you have absolutely no case. We actually have some pretty good ones here. Uh, oh, good. That's a nice roundup of cases here. Uh, uh, hello, Anthony. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hey, Bill. Um, so I got a question. My <clears throat> girlfriend was employed for about a year with a restaurant, and uh, she got fired. Upon getting fired, she collected unemployment until the unemployment ran out. Uh, about six months after... They stopped giving her unemployment. They sent her a letter in the mail asking for all of the money back. You're talking about, wait a second, you're talking about uh, the state asked for all this money board back? The unemployment, yes. Okay, and did they say why? They say that that she wasn't fired. Oh, I see. All right. And uh, is uh, the restaurant, I assume it was a restaurant, right? Is that what you said? Um, yes. The employer is saying that she was still working there. 
No. Well, right, well, the thing is, the, the manager that fired her is no longer working. It doesn't matter. Place. It doesn't matter. Uh, because when she filed for unemployment, uh, there is uh, then a letter goes out to the restaurant and uh, says, are you disputing the unemployment? Where uh, did, what, did she quit? For example, you're not, she's not entitled to unemployment. Uh, right. were, was she fired for cause? Uh, and it doesn't matter. State of California, you, there's no employee that ever loses that one uh, for cause. I mean, I don't even know why they bother. The unemployment board always gives it to them because welcome to the People's Republic of California. And so right. it's something. there's just something that slipped through the cracks. They just sent the wrong letter. That's all. That's an easy peasy one. Just write back and say, I was not, I was not employed. You're not getting your money back. And if they make any moves after that, uh, then you have to go in front of a hearing and ask for a hearing, but she'll be fine. Yeah. Well, then they're, they're also, I mean, they're going to take her tax. No, you fight, you fight, you immediately ask for a hearing instantly. Okay. All right. And then, uh, she, she wins that one. That's a, that's an easy one. Uh, all right, Nick. Uh, hello, Nick. Hey, Bill. Yes. A joint tenancy question here. Yeah. Um, wife and I owned the home in uh, joint tenancy. Uh, she passed away in September. The home is mine solely, which is okay. My question is, how can I add my daughter to the home in joint tenancy? That's easy. Have you transferred the home to your solely to your name, uh, the, affidavit of, the affidavit of a death of a joint tenant? Have you done that yet? I don't think so. Okay, that's what you have to do. I mean, it's just procedural. I mean, there's really almost nothing. I mean, there's no fight here. It's just it's going through uh, just the procedural steps. Oh, well, because the bank told me I can't, I can't transfer uh, her to the loan in joint tenancy. It's not the yes, you you can. Uh, it, the bank can call the loan, but you have to look at the agreement, uh, the lending agreement. So here's what you have to do to first okay. of all get your name and your daughter's name uh, onto the deed. Uh, how, how do I do that again? Okay, you have to first, uh, you have to first file a document called the uh, a, a affidavit, I think, of the death of a joint tenant, and then okay. it transfers to your name. A new deed is issued in your name. Okay. Then you, as the sole owner, transfer the property to both you and the daughter okay. as uh, joint tenants. And where do I get that affidavit? How oh, does... you can pull it on the uh, internet. Yeah, that's oh, an e- cool. that's an easy one, and oh, then you okay. file it with the recorder's office. I think all you do is send in a copy, a certified copy of the death certificate, uh, with uh, the affidavit. It may or may not have to be uh, notarized. Probably, I've never done one of those. Uh-huh. I've never had a spouse die on me, although I've wanted to many, many times. <laughs> but then that's another issue, isn't it? So, it is. yeah, it is. I know, and I'm not alone on that one. I know. Uh, and then you simply record uh, the transfer. Again, you can uh, as long as you get it notarized, you can do it all by uh, you can do it all by mail actually, or just walk down to the recorder's office. As a matter of fact, you may actually even be able to do it at the same time. So I don't have to even include the bank in this. Uh, no. Now you tell the bank because probably the bank documents say if there is a death or if there is a transfer, they can call the loan. But what you do is either tell the bank or you uh, say, well, you go for a refi in both uh-huh. your daughter's uh, name and yours. So you're both refining the loan. So okay. now they have they now have two debtors. So oh, it, should, right. it should be okay. I mean, I assume your credit, everything is copacetic, right? Yes, it's excellent. You're yeah, fine. No problem. You're fine. But that's okay. how you do it. Okay. Cool. Thank you, sir. All right. You got it. All right. This is handle. Oh, that's. Uh, oh, that's right. I have a spot here. Oh, I'm so good at this, aren't I? This is why I get paid the big bucks, because I'm such a pro. All right, this one's about LifeLock. There is uh, yet another scam out there, 
And it's a breach of an online tool used for federal student loan applications. And uh, the cockroach thieves have gotten into that database, which means Social Security numbers, work, I mean, all of it. And this is a free application for federal student loan aid. That's what they call it. Well, uh, it was taken offline uh, a few months ago, but it start, it's already out there. So what is this about? Identity theft. Identity thieves uh, use your information they get like this. And then they establish credit in your name and, of course, get the goodies on their own. They can liquidate your bank accounts. They can get to your retirement fund. It's really a mess. So let me tell you what I do to protect myself from these problems is I have LifeLock. LifeLock protection. Matter of fact, my entire family because all four of us are susceptible. And here's what LifeLock does. Not only does it monitor, find out what the hell's going out there. If there's a problem, they monitor, they immediately alert you. And if your identity is compromised, they then uh, work to fix that problem. That's what's unique about LifeLock. Now, no one can prevent all identity theft or monitor every transaction at every business. But in my opinion, LifeLock's the best out there. Membership start at $9.99 a month plus applicable taxes. Go to LifeLock.com. Use the promo code HANDLE for 10% off your Ultimate Plus membership. LifeLock.com, promo code HANDLE, or call 800-LIFELOCK, 800-LIFELOCK. Now. This is Handle on the Law. All right, Rocio Rivera in the KFI Newsroom. What's happening? Bill Handel here on a uh, Saturday morning. More Handel on uh, the law. Marginal legal advice where I tell you you have absolutely no uh, case. All right, Mary. You know when you have pretty good case. Hold on a second, Mary. Uh, I just want to point people out as I go. And then point someone. Those are all actually pretty good questions. Usually have totally lame questions. But I've got a whole board full of pretty good ones. Uh, probably not yours, but let's go for it. Okay, can I talk now? Now you can talk. Okay, thank you. I have a um, blood-sucking co-owner of my property that got me to sign under duress, and you told me I was the stupidest person on earth to do it. Now I want to counter-sue her because she's trying to sell the property to herself for $30,000. Well, she can't. And- now you're on the, you're on the deed, right? Yeah, yeah two thirds of it. Yeah, you can't. She can't do that. Okay, but wait, 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 wait. I want to get money out of her and her blood sucking attorney. How is it possible? Because she lost my only good paying renter. My only good paying renter was there for sixty years, doing auto shop repair. And because of her harassment, and because of her constant, you know, like calling the, the yes, the, the answer LA is County, yes. The answer is yes. Yeah. I get it. The answer is yes. Yes, you, you can go after her for doing that interference with contractual relations absolutely diminution of property value there's a ton of stuff you can go after her yes i love you yeah, do well, we have a good attorney to uh, help me yeah you can go to handle on the law.com i will thank yeah, you so you're, much you're welcome yeah. uh, she's a little thrilled that i actually said she can do it usually it's nah no i have a condo associate guys who the condo no i have a neighbor no 
well, how about I have a spouse? No. So I don't happen very often with uh, yes. Uh, Pat, hello, Pat. You're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi, Bill. I have a trust question. Yes, ma'am. If, if my kids inherit a trust and choose not to distribute it, can they work within that trust? Uh, well, no. During no, because the trust does it talk about distributing the property? You have to look at the. Yeah, tr- you have to look. Okay, or- you have to look at the language of the trust, and if the language of the trust mandates that the property must be dispersed and given to the beneficiary, yes, they must do that, and a beneficiary can take them to court. Even if both beneficiaries agree to keep the trust open, then it's up to the beneficiaries. If they both agree and say to the trustee, we'd rather keep it open, okay. I mean, you could. You're basically changing the terms of the trust. But why wouldn't you just uh, – the the reason would be they they both have, like, shaky marriages. Ah, got it. And they really don't need the money. Well, it's theirs anyway. It's theirs anyway because it's uh, pursuant to an inheritance. But, yes, they can do that. Uh, They absolutely can do that. Okay, thank you. Okay, that's another one. Yes, still check with uh, you know, with an attorney on that one for sure. Jeff, hello, Jeff. Hi there, Bill. Um, hi there, Bill. Um, to, uh, to, I was calling because it's because um, I um, rent a condo, and my unit is in the back of a hallway where it's. Um, where there is no light. And about a couple weeks ago, the complex, they turned off all of the lighting during the daytime. And now, since there's no lights, I can't see how, um, I can't really... No, I um, get it. I get it. It's, It's, okay, so your question is... Is, um, what do I do since I You write a letter to your landlord... Uh, and say it is now an unsafe condition. I cannot see uh, when I enter and leave the condo. And I'm just putting you on notice at right now that in the event that there is a fall, in the event that there is an injury and the no lighting somehow connects to that, you will be held fully responsible and I will go after you. And then what ends up happening is uh, he'd better act on it and talk to the homeowners board because... If it turns out, let's say someone is hurt and he turns over his insurance company, insurance company uh, can can say, uh, you know what? You were put on notice. You know, you can't ignore the terms of the policy. So it's a, a letter to the uh, it's a letter to the landlord and maybe even a copy to the homeowners uh, association, too. Everybody gets a copy of that letter and make it nice and strong. All right. Oh, thank you. Oh, yeah, you're welcome. Uh, Andrew. Hello, Andrew. Yes. Yes. Uh, I'm an Uber. Yeah, I'm an Uber driver. About two months ago, I uh, picked up a trip. I took him to his destination, and I never got paid for it. By whom? And By I, Uber, I, right? I literally. Uh, By and this is this is one drive. One drive. Yes. All right. How much money did you get screwed out of? About twenty five bucks. All right. And uh, they're denying to pay you. Yes. Now they are. Okay, and you and what do they what do they say when you say I got screwed out of twenty five dollars? They said we're aware of the situation. 
and we're we're gonna fix it. We have an issue with uh with our system right now, and give it about forty eight hours. Okay, and has it? Have you been paid? No, I haven't. And I how long? And how? Weeks. And how long has it been? Weeks. It's been two months. Okay, then you keep on writing letters, and you tell Uber, and two things are going to happen. Either they're going to three things. Either they're going to issue a check, uh, or you're going to just suck it up and stay with Uber, or uh, you can file a small claims court against Uber and no doubt uh, a small claims case, and no doubt they'll fire your ass. How, uh, how important is it to keep on driving for Uber and that $25? Well, I mean, it's, it, I, mean I depend on the, my driving job at the moment. Yeah, no, I'm saying, is, uh, are you making any kind of money driving for Uber? I mean, I'm paying the bills. All right, so the question is, is it worthwhile to go through the hassle for 25 bucks? Because what ends up happening if you file a lawsuit? You file a lawsuit, you're going to have to front a couple of hundred dollars. You're aware of that. Yeah. yeah. And, and you probably will get a judgment if you can prove the $25. And then if they still don't pay you, you get to go through the hassle of trying to collect. And uh, they, if they want, if someone has a burr and wants to make your life miserable, Andrew, they can make your life miserable. Not in terms of harassing or whatever, but in terms of collecting payment. If $25 yeah. isn't going to kill you, I would just suck it up. And it, But it hasn't happened since. You've been paid every, every subsequent trip, correct? Yes. All right. Okay. Well, they owe you the money. Now... To collect the money, are you prepared to do all of what I uh, what I said? No, probably not. Probably no. I would say definitely not because the hassle factor is insane. Because but by the time it's said and done, you're going to say for two hundred dollars, I wouldn't have done this. You know, this, I mean, I am going to have to suck it up, and you know, it sucks. I mean, yeah, I you suck it up. Money. You suck it up. It's not that complicated. All right, uh, Trudy. Hi, Trudy. Welcome. Hello. Yes, ma'am. Uh, Yes. I have, uh, earlier this year, I had installed uh, a um, internet and phone service from a major company, and they quoted me one price on the phone call, initial phone call, and billed me a different price. Yeah, yeah, welcome to the world of uh, cable and uh, cell companies. Uh, what is, and I noticed that, uh, you can go ahead and say the company, It's uh, you said Spectrum, because that's I'm a customer of Spectrum. Whoa, isn't that terrific? All right, what is the difference between the one price that you were quoted and uh, the price they actually charge you? At $20 a month. Mm. All right, same situation. Uh, going through the hassles uh, and just, it's going to take a lot of work to have that reduced. You call them back, you ask for a supervisor. They s- I did that. They the, Twice they said they would connect me with their supervisor and the supervisor never called back. Yeah, how about that? So you get to keep on doing it. This, yeah, it's a problem. Because, again, now we're talking hassle factor again, unfortunately. And $20 a month, I mean, you're still talking 240 bucks a year. That's yeah, that's money. But uh, trying to collect on a phone company, I mean, again, I mean, the hassle factor. What if you end up suing them in small claims court and then you want the money and then it's in collecting it? Uh, because that's going to fall through the cracks. And there may even be, because it's all regulated ridiculously, I have no idea if you have to go through additional hoops other yeah, than the well, 20 I already filed. I already filed a complaint. Okay, that's the, all you can do. Okay. And you're going to have to subpoena that phone conversation. 
That's well, the other the thing. First, on the first two calls, they agreed that the phone quote was. Uh, no, that- I get it, but it's a phone call. They haven't put it in writing. So you're going to have to subpoena those phone conversations. They, of course, record them while you sue them. I mean, it's a big deal. And it, it may be worth it, may not be worth it. Again, uh, this is this is not $20 uh, one shot. This is $240. And if it's a contract over the course of three years, I signed th- two-year deals, I think, uh, with Spectrum. Verizon is the company, my cell company, and I, I hate them. But I have no choice because uh, in my house, there's zero coverage except Verizon that occasionally, once in a while... I get coverage. This is Handle on the Line. 1-800-HANDLE-ON-THE-LINE, HANDLE-ON-THE-LAW. 800-520-1-KFI. We have some lines open. 800-520-1534. And doesn't happen all that often, but we do have lines open during the course of the show. All right. Rocio Rivera in the KFI Newsroom. Rocio. To master the art of outdoor living is to realize that almost everything that happens inside the house can happen outside too and may even be better. Except for sending faxes. Don't put a fax machine on your patio. That is just weird and sad. Home with Dean Sharp, the house whisperer, tomorrow morning at 10 on KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. KFI AM uh, 640. Bill Handel here. Saturday morning. 800-520-1KFI. 800-520-1534. All right, welcome back to Handle on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice. Uh, Hello, Tom. You're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Thank you. My daughter fell four years ago and broke her right arm. My son-in-law took her to the hospital where the surgeon performed surgery. It became infected, swollen, red, and very painful. He took her back to the same hospital, the same surgeon, performed surgery again, same result. Third time, he took her to a different hospital, different surgeon, performed surgery. She found that the infection was in the bone. The bone then healed after the treatment. She was sent home, and that's healing. She's in the process of physical therapy. Three questions. Does she have grounds for... Malpractice. Does she have grounds for malpractice? I think it's a statute issue, and I pull out my handy book here uh, because people, uh, my crew was so tired of me not knowing the statutes, they actually handed me a book. Uh, Okay, chart, statute of limitations, all 50 states, uh, Alabama, Alaska, Arizona, California, here it is. Uh, Medical malpractice, one year after discovery or three years from the injury. And so the next uh, section says, you're SOL. I think so. Yep. Okay. Any other questions? Well, the other two have to deal with the first one, but I'll, I'll ask anyway. Uh, you just answered the second one, statute of limitations. Is she eligible for unemployment insurance? Yes. She's not worth yes. those four years. Yeah. And we're not for the, what do you mean, for the four years? Has she collected unemployment? No, she hasn't applied. Okay. She hasn't applied. And uh, when did she stop working? Four years ago when she fell. Uh, she could probably apply now. They're not going to go retroactive four years. That isn't going to happen. Uh, but she, if she's unable to work now, uh, she could probably apply. But unemployment is predicated on uh, the quarters that you have pr- you've worked the last uh, few years or the last year even. So let me look at uh, unemployment. 
Hold on. Hold on. Don't go away. Alabama, Alaska, Arkansas, uh, California. Unemployment. Well, there it is. Your SOL. Again. Yeah, pretty much. But thanks for calling. It's always a pleasure. All right, Mike. Hello, Mike. You're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Thank you, Bill. Sure. Uh, I have been ordained since 2000, the same organization that you were ordained. Oh, Universal Life Church. Correct. Yeah. Now, are you a priest, uh, a bishop, a rabbi? I think you can go as far a priest, just a simple the twenty five dollar uh, priest, uh, the the bottom rung. I think you Correct. can go as far as I think a bishop is the highest you can go because they don't let you be a pope. Mm-hmm. I I know that's off the table, but anyway, so you're a pre priest, uh, preacher, Mike. Yes, sir. Yes. All right. Uh, at the present time, I have a building that's thirty six hundred square foot on sitting on twenty five acres. I would like to open up a marijuana farm. Yes. Can can I do that underneath the cloak of the church and avoid number one the police, number two my taxes, number three the government? Well, let's pull out the old book. Oh, th- same same yeah. book you had a little while ago. Yeah, the yes, same one. And uh, let me tell you why. Nobody cares that you're doing it under the auspices of a church. The only time the court has ever recognized marijuana as uh, being part of a religious ceremony or being part of the religion i think is in a couple of tribes uh american indian tribes in which they were actually able to prove that the use of marijuana as a part of their religious ceremony goes back hundreds of years and it was hard to argue that it wasn't legitimate so second of all okay so that one is out of the question no one cares that it's a church uh two no one cares that you're on 25 acres and you have 360 square feet now under You have to be licensed under the state of California because uh, now that recreational pot is uh, available, there are rules and regulations that deal with uh, how it's grown, where it's grown, and all of that is regulated. So uh, you get to make the same application as everybody else does. And uh, also, uh, they put the IRS has a category. Now we're talking about the feds, the government. The IRS has a category... Uh, in terms of people who uh, create churches in order to avert taxes. And uh, there's a there's one of the part of the tax code that's uh, under idiot uh, that I think you fall under. <laughs> okay. All right, there you go. This is Handle on the Law. KFI AM 640. Bill Handel here on a uh, Saturday morning. And uh, good morning to you and all. This is hour number three of the show. The show goes on for just a, God, five hours. Can you imagine? Uh, Yeah, long time. All right, Leo Laporte up at 11 o'clock right after the show. Fork report from 2 to 5 with uh, with Neil Saavedra, Mo Kelly, 6 to 8. Monique Marvez, 8 to 10. Brian Suits, Dark Secret Place, uh, 10 to midnight tomorrow. Uh, he is on 8 to 10. We've uh, just, well, we haven't. They have. Uh, management, if you will, uh, has uh, added another two hours to uh, the Brian Suits, but it's called Super Hyper Local Sunday as opposed to Dark Secret Place. And then tomorrow at 5, uh, Elizabeth Espinosa starts. Jesus uh, comes aboard at 7. <sighs> oh, 
now that uh, oh Easter, right? Easter's coming up um, when? Tomorrow is Easter. Well, there you go. And it's Easter eggs. You know, there's a whole history. I mean, Neil Savadra came into the show and talked about Easter eggs and the whole history of, uh, and it goes back to Mary Magdalene and bringing eggs, etc. And the bunny, there's actually connections with bunny historically. And then how about the peeps? What's the historical connection with the peeps? All right, that's Jesus tomorrow morning. Uh, the new show, Home with Dean Sharp, from uh, 10 to 11 a.m., and then we go on and on. Oh, don't forget uh, Dr. Wendy Walsh from 4 to 6, all of that on uh, KFI. This is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice, where I tell you you have absolutely no case. Uh, it, this is Virginia. I'm looking at a mugshot of Jeremy Putnam. And he was arrested uh, after callers reported uh, seeing him walking, wearing a cape, carrying a sword, and made up as the Joker in Batman. Now, the Joker, you could do a few different ways. Uh, This one is the real disturbing one. Heather uh, Ledger, is that right? Do I have that right? Or Ledger Heath, Heath Ledger. Uh, yeah, whatever his name was. He's no longer with us, so he can't sue us. And uh, you all, who else was really, really the original Batman? Um, the movies, I mean, just disturbing, right? And so it is Batman that's no fun to see. And so he gets arrested. Why? Well, because you can't do that, right? That's normally the basis of arrest. You can't do that. Now, he fancies himself as a real-life Joker, and he has Joker-themed tattoos all over his body. So he said, I thought, why be a fan when I can be the real Joker? Uh, But not a lunatic like he is, more of a funny type of Joker. Really, look at his face. So you think, why can't you walk around as the Joker? Well, Virginia law says an adult uh, wearing makeup or wearing a mask like this is against the law. It is a crime to cover your face or use anything that will hide your identity out in public. Unless it's uh, Halloween or if someone is under the age of 16. It doesn't apply. And it's a question of uh, public safety. And it's a question of uh, what I find interesting. If you're not committing a crime or not to commit a crime, you can't do that. And so you would think it would just be an enhancement to a crime. Committing a crime with a mask at additional, uh, for example, armed robbery, at an additional five years or a burglary or whatever. But just walking around with a mask, I, I don't get it. And uh, so so be it. That's Virginia law. All right. Uh, now let's start with uh, some uh, names and uh, some stories. Hold on a minute. Uh, all right, David. That's a name. What's your story? I have a question about trademarks. Uh, I'm going to make up a name because I don't want to put the name out there that I'm going to use. But let's say I start a website that's Joe the Plumber. Provided there are no other Joe the Plumbers, is that enough to establish a trademark? Uh, common law trademark, yes. But why wouldn't you trademark it? Isn't it expensive? No, not particularly. No, it really. Yeah. You can do it yourself. Uh, just go on the internet. I mean, if you're going to be, if you want to be safe, 
uh, you, I would trademark if I, if I were you. If you notice all the big names, uh, they're all trademarked. Even the slogans are trademarked. So be self-safe. Now, yes, you are. You can come in. Uh, and then it's the uniqueness of the product and what you do. What kind of business are you in, David? Uh, it's going to be an astrology business. Of course it is. <laughs> so, uh, David, what do the stars say about whether you can do it or not? Mm, uh, so you're not that good, are you? <laughs> well, I would have been. Oh, you would have been. Oh, you would have been that good if you actually got the trademark. Karen. Hi, Karen. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hello. Yes, ma'am. Um, my son, who's 26, was staying at a hotel um, it, with his girlfriend, and it's considered um, Indian reservation land. And he was smoking pot in the room. And so security smelled it, and they came up and they knocked on his door, and they were probably at his door for about a half hour. He kept saying, go away, go away. He didn't want to open the door. So then they brought a police officer. His girlfriend looked through the hole and said, there's a police officer. So they opened the door. The police officer rushed past my son into the room, confiscated his girlfriend's phone, and said, nobody leave the room. And then he looked around, and oh, my dummy son, he left the uh, he left the pipe and uh, the grinder sitting on the table out in the open. So he got that and saw that, and then he pressured him, you know, where's the pot? Yeah, so got it. All right. Gave him the pot. So um, they didn't take him to jail. They just gave him a citation. They didn't, uh, the hotel didn't make him leave the room. They didn't evict him. Um, How much is the citation? So it's it's not. He has to go to court. Okay. So he's been charged with paraphernalia and um, possession of pot right. under two pounds. All right. Uh, so he, what is he looking at in terms of uh, jail time? What, or what's the, right. uh, the he's penalty? Never been, he's never been arrested Okay. All right. Fair enough. So that helps. And he has a fingerprint card because what he does for a living, that's required. Okay. That doesn't matter. So if, he he's, gets, if he's never been arrested, well, it's no harm, no foul. Um, so uh, what is the penalty for doing this? Do you know? No, I don't know. I don't either. So, so the first thing he has to do is, is it going to be a misdemeanor? And if he, maybe he has to fight it. Uh, and it's going to be, and it is an illegal search and seizure. I mean, uh, the way you describe right. it, uh, the, the cops shouldn't have done that. They didn't have the right to do what they did. And they're going to argue plain sight, but not after, uh, not after everything that happened. So it's a question of fighting it. So uh, he pleads not guilty. And then the issue is... Uh, the, I don't know if the Indian reservation uh, has anything to do with it. This is a hotel, and it was the, it wasn't uh, the police that was the it wasn't the Indian police, was it? Had, yeah, it was like well, I think it would be tribal police. It and, was, but they sent it, but they sent it to the county attorneys. Yeah, so I don't know, uh, I don't know how it works on Indian land, uh, but certainly First Amendment rights, uh, Fourth Amendment rights in this case, uh, illegal search and seizures apply, and it doesn't matter if you're on Indian land or not Indian land. Well, he, he talked to one attorney. He wanted $12,000. Yeah, that's the problem. And that's why another I, one was 7000 Yeah, you see, that's so, the problem, uh, is that's why I asked you what's the penalty. Because, and not that I care about the penalty, it's just figuring out, is it worth it? And one of those, is it worth right. it? And is it a misdemeanor? And uh, is a misdemeanor going to hurt his job uh, prospects? And so, Probably. how how broke is he? Broke. 
He was in between jobs. Okay, then he. Uh, then but he, he's got a job again, but he's not making any money. Okay, so he'll be then a he. Public defender. Yep, public. You go to the public defender. And the public defenders. So the public defender is going to say plead it out, and maybe we can get a charge reduced. And you. Uh, and he says, if he wants to fight it, no, thank you. Mm-hmm. Do and, they have? Ta- have you ever heard of TAS? No. Like they have that in Arizona. It's for first offenses, but I don't know if he'd get it. Where. You you get drug tested for two years at random and then take classes and then yeah I mean if you can do it if it if it becomes a, if it's a straight diversion program where it's all dropped after you take classes and uh, how marijuana is horrible for you and uh, yeah maybe it's worth it because uh, a private lawyer is it's going to be in the thousands of dollars a public yeah. defender is going to try to plead it out but if you insist uh, the public defender has to go forward. And hopefully a public defender in this case uh, would be offended enough about the violation of the Fourth Amendment. And you grab him in the morning uh, before his first break because towards the afternoon, "Eh, I want to go home. Although there's some, as much as I make fun of uh, public defenders, there are some superb public defenders out there. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that's your choice. Uh, Okay, so when he go, he's supposed to go on the 24th. He pleads not guilty. He pleads. Uh, he stands. Matter of fact, he doesn't even plead not guilty. He says, "Your Honor, I want time to get an attorney. Can we can okay. we continue this until I get an attorney, and then I can determine what my plea is going to be? Just ask for time okay. to get an attorney. That's what he does. That's an easy one. All right. This is handle on the law. Julie Slater. Julie, you're new. I have not talked to you yet. That is correct. Okay. And oh, that's a good voice too. Very radio voice. Well, I thank you. Yeah, so you uh, you came from another radio station? Uh, I'm actually on the air on 88.5 KCSN. Oh, and they haven't fired you yet there? How do you do both uh, stations without you being canned by one of them? It's called magic. It's called they don't know you're here? No, they do. You could do, you know, it happens. Sometimes you're on multiple stations. you got to make a living, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, you know, I, I should try that. You know, leave, leave <laughs> you're this. not on the air enough, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I do. All <laughs> right, so Julie, what's the news out there? Coming up on Sunday morning with Elizabeth Espinosa, we will be taking on the mentally ill homeless problem head on. Okay, okay, okay. We're going to get a little help. And we've got it. This Sunday, we will solve all of L.A.'s problems. Oh, yeah. And the calendar section. Sunday morning with Elizabeth Espinosa. Tomorrow morning at 5 on KFI. AM 640. More stimulating talk. KFI AM 640. Bill Handel here until uh, 11 o'clock this morning. Welcome back to Handle on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice. Jennifer. Hello, Jennifer. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Uh, my husband died two years ago. Um, Two, three months ago, I received a check for 80. I didn't receive the check. I won an $80,000 lawsuit in Oklahoma in the court. I live in California. The attorney said that I had to pay him 49.5% of the, of the money. And then he also said that his two kids put their name on a disclaimer, which I don't even know. And I don't understand. I don't understand what that means. That's what I said. Yeah, you just say hey, why? Why would his kids? How are his kids involved at all? 
the check doesn't even have their name on yeah, it. Yeah, no, I don't get it. All right, so that one I don't understand, and that makes no sense. Or, you know, the Okay, so that's number one. Uh, number two. Number two is um, my name and his name were on the check. Ah. The check was cashed five, I mean, th- three months ago. Got it. All right. I have not received one. Right, right. And you have not yet signed uh, the back of the check, correct? Exactly. All right. So a couple of things. 49.5% seems pretty pricey to me. Is that what the retainer? But is that what the retainer says that you signed with him? It went from 33%. And when I was in litigation, he bumped it up to 49.5%. Okay, but is that what the retainer says? Uh, the you, retainer? Yeah, the retainer that you signed. He, he didn't want to give me any kind of uh, paperwork. He has to get, he has to, you, did you sign anything? Yeah, I did. Okay, you have to get a copy of that. Yeah, I know. All right, so that's number I'm surprised you didn't keep a copy of that, but so be it. I mean, that's uh, going to make your life more miserable. And he refuses um, to, he hasn't even uh, asked you for your signature and you've asked him for the money? Yes. All right, then you make a complaint with the state bar saying that he is abandoning you and for three months makes absolutely no sense. Unless he argues there were liens against uh, the case. There's no liens. No medical liens, nothing. Oh, yeah, there were liens, but they were to be paid uh, with the $80,000 that I have. I'm only getting $10,000. Got it. All right, and so uh, you, you write a letter to the attorney saying, please... Uh, give me a full accounting, what you've paid, what is owed, uh, and if you don't, I'm going to go to the state bar. And if he doesn't respond or doesn't give you a full accounting and does, and if there is, if there are no liens left, like you say, and he's holding on to the money, which I don't understand because it's in the trust account, he isn't getting money either. That's what I can't figure out. I know. I don't understand. He hasn't practiced in, Ar- in Arkansas and another No, one. I get it, but why? I don't understand why he doesn't want his money out of there, but... Assuming he doesn't, uh, a complaint to the state bar should do it. And I just, uh, that was one of those that just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Just really bizarre. All right. Jay, hello, Jay. You're up. Welcome. Hello, Bill. Thank you. Sure. Uh, Listen, I was working for a public library, and eight days before my six-month probationary period was over, I was taken into a meeting with the HR rep and my supervisor, and I was informed that it was time to exercise my resume. Um, what do you mean, exercise your resume? I don't quite understand what that phrase means. I was released from my employment. Okay, that's not your resume. That is uh, whatever contract they have. All right. It was a joke, Bill. Oh, I, I got it. Got it. Didn't get it. Uh, you're obviously a lot smarter than I am. All right. I don't, well, okay. whatever. Yeah. Okay, so um, I just, I, I took it. He, he told me that. Uh, the reason I was being terminated is because, quote, and this is in writing in a letter I received, I wasn't learning fast enough. Okay. So I said, okay, I took that for what it was. The following week, I went and applied for unemployment. Uh, as unemployment is wont to do, they originally denied it. Then the following week, I got a letter that said I have been authorized to receive my unemployment. Yeah, I'm shocked um, they, they originally denied it. Shocked. Yeah, I mean, that's just what they do. Uh, so there was an investigation into my termination, and I received a letter on Tuesday of this week, and from the board that manages unemployment, I was told in this letter, and it's according to state statute stipulated and everything else, that they have determined that I was released from my employment 
without just cause, right. according to state statute. Got it. I would like to ask you, what are my options? Your options point? are collecting your unemployment check. That's basically it. If I'm protected class and I have a hearing disability, uh, then you, okay. Hearing. If you're, uh, then you could probably go after workplace discrimination, but. Uh, it's if you're collecting unemployment and uh, what's you get to hire a lawyer. That's the problem. And uh, right. what what I'm are okay with that? Yeah. What are your well? No, 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 no. What are your damages? Uh, My and damages what, is I was released. From I get it. What is that worth? And, and what is that worth? You think sanctions uh, aren't very big. Thirty eight thousand dollars a year uh, is what you're worth on top of unemployment for how long? Well, I was. What do you mean for how long? How long? $38,000 a year for what? For how long? That's what I'm calling you for. Yeah. How long do you think uh, you'd get $38,000 a year? Because let's say you were illegally uh, released. And according to state statute, because you're a protected class, they can't do that. So, and I don't know, I don't have the statute in front of me, but okay, your damages are $38,000 a year is what you were fired, you were earning, and now you're not earning it, although you're collecting unemployment for a period of time. So you get $38,000 a year. How long do you think you'd get $38,000 a year for the rest of your life? No, I'd say two years would be good. I, I don't know what the and I don't know what the law says, but I don't either. Okay, That's so but uh, like I know what the law is. I ha- I have it no. in front of me. So here is what I'm going to suggest you do: it's a phone call to an employment discrimination attorney. Uh, certainly is appropriate at this point, and you ask okay. the same questions because they have the statute in front of them. Okay. Or and then uh, you can even find that out. But I think that it's going to be uh, yeah, whatever sanctions are going to be your protected class workplace discrimination. Maybe it's a reinstatement of your job. Uh, there could be a, a, a bunch of options. I just don't have any idea uh, what the uh, law is in this regard. Really, Handel? Did you actually answer? You have no idea. Oh, never! I've never heard that one before. I've been doing a show a long, long time, and I've actually never heard that. This is Handle on the Law. Julie, Julie Slater in the KFI Newsroom. Julie. When you hear Eye in the Sky, you're listening to KFI. An iHeartRadio station. Uh, 640. Bill Handel here. It is a uh, Saturday morning. More Handel on uh, the law. Marginal legal advice. All right. Hello, Andrew. Hello? Yeah. Yes, Andrew. Oh, how you doing, Bill? Bill, um, I uh, my roommate passed away a week ago, and uh, she was uh, suffering from alcoholism and uh, other substances. And essentially, I became, uh, over the last two years, a caregiver to her. Um, she just couldn't take care of herself, but didn't care, and made messes in the house and created all kinds of other things. And uh, understanding her situation, I covered to her, basically. Uh, her son, um, six months ago, I reached him. I told him about all this, and he, um, in a nutshell, just said everything's fine and uh, I can't help her, and that was it. Um, I'm looking to um, uh, ask them for $2,500 as a fertilized services, like a better term. Yeah, and that's over uh, six months, right? Or over how many months? Two years. Two years of taking care of her, and all you want is $2,500. 
Well, I, I put that number out because that's what small claims court. I know. You can go up to $10,000 in small claims court, by the way. Okay. Uh, well, what do you think is a reasonable um, amount to ask for? Yes. Yeah, zero, because that's what you're going to get. Okay. Uh, yeah, unless you had an agreement where someone was going to pay you, because the court is going to view this as you did this out of the goodness of your heart. Yes, I did. Yeah, there's no agreement. There's no nobody there to pay for it. Uh, no, no. The answer is uh, they probably should thank you uh, for it, but they don't have to at all. How old was your uh, roommate when uh, she died? 67. Uh, that's pretty young. Is she... A, well, alcoholism, I understand. Well, well, she, yeah, she fell. Yeah, she stumbled out of her room. Yeah, no, I get that. Now, okay, and uh, she was also, there was substance abuse on top of that, or was it just alcoholism? She was taking medication. All that, right. Um, yeah. Anti-anxiety, and yeah. So the bottom line is, uh, here's the payment you're going to get. You're going to feel good. So congratulations. It's And it's a tough one. I mean, you know, as as much as I'm saying you have no case, you have no case, Every once in a while, when I say you have no case, uh, it's to someone who actually has a great heart, uh, like he did. Uh, just great heart and no brains. Because he didn't cut a deal with the uh, family if he wants to get paid. Uh, it's a tough one. All right, Benjamin. Hello, Benjamin. Bill. Yes, sir. I don't care how you're doing. Excellent. My question is, my mother lives in an apartment. There is a door on the only shower in her apartment that uh, has been broken. It doesn't stay closed for the past two years. I finally told her, look, you have to tell the management to take care of this. Um, management sent someone to take a look at the shower, and they kind of did some measurements and said, oh, well, this is going to be a custom job, and now it's been three weeks. They okay. haven't gotten back to it. All right. It. Hang on a minute. So uh, it's a custom job. The whole door has to be replaced because you're saying it doesn't yeah. close correctly. All right. So management sent out a someone to give an appraisal, right, to give a bid. Um, who called Who called the per, Who called the person that came out and took yeah. a look at it? Management. management did. And it's been three weeks, and they've done nothing. Correct. Okay. What would uh, what What is your question? Well, I if it, if it was me, I would call someone and have it repaired. Right. I get it. My and mother. She... My mother's elderly. She's been in this apartment eighteen years. Okay. She's thinking that they're going to boot her out. Well, they, I mean, they, theoretically, they, theoretically they can. If it's uh, if the, if it's not rent control, they could boot her out. How much right. money is it going to cost to fix this thing? You think? Um. I don't know, maybe 500 bucks. Okay, now the issue is, well, you're, I mean, is it worth it for you to pay the $500 to keep your mom in the apartment? Because I'm assuming her rent is a lot more than it would be out in the open market. So that's one. Yeah. Uh, two, it's only three weeks. And the fault may very well be with uh, the, the manufacturer or the installer of the door than the management company. So it's, uh, I would, what I would do at this point is simply write management saying, hey, uh, and you can write it, your mom can write it, or both of you can write it saying, hey, you know, thank you so much for sending someone out. Greatly appreciated. Mm-hmm. But it's been three weeks. Uh, can you please find out what's going on? Because I'm having a hard time taking a shower. And I think that is it, the, that's where to go now. Because three weeks is uh, three weeks is not a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so 
If it were a couple of months, I'd go ridic- it'd be ridiculous. But just contact the, the management company again because obviously uh, – well, let me go the other way. Uh, from the time the complaint was issued to the management company, how long did they take to send someone out there to uh, give a bid? I believe it was within five days. All right. Then the, the, then the issue is probably going to be with the installer. And the it's up to the manage, management company to call them and say, hey, what's going on? You know, it's been three weeks already because that's probably where it is. So you want to keep the management company on your side and please help me. I can't shower, yada, yada, yada. Uh, you, don't even come, you don't even come close to a, a, a legal position at this point. Not at all. Uh, Marianne. Hi, Marianne. Hi, Bill. Yes. Um, my question is a uh, statute of limitations yes. on paying attorney fees. Yes. Uh, a divorce supposedly happened. Supposedly? Uh, in, uh, that's a good one. What does that mean? Uh, well, uh, found out that it's a legal separation and not a dissolution of marriage. All right. So your lawyer actually uh, it filed a separation and not a divorce? Right. Wow. Okay. That's a bit of malpractice. Fair enough. He's going to say that that's what you asked for, but uh, so be it. Is your spouse willing to say we wanted a divorce? Yes. Okay. That's good. And so how much money do you owe the uh, lawyer? Uh, $8,000. Okay. And what's your question? And my oh, the statute. Four years. Four years. Yeah, okay. that, that the lawyer can sue you. But uh, before that, I'd go tell a lawyer, you go pound sand. You mis- You malpracticed. Right. And if okay. you and if you do go after me, uh, I'm going to go after you for malpractice. So why don't Understood. you walk? Why don't you walk away? I walk away. Okay. That's that's I, that's the way I'd handle it right now. And if the lawyer wants to keep on going, I mean, based on what Marianne said, I mean, this is pure malpractice. All right. Uh, let me go on and tell you about uh, yet another data breach. Uh, I don't even know why they're news anymore, but they are. This one is an online tool used uh, for federal student loan applications. It's uh, called, uh, what, FASA. And you apply, and then you put all your information. Well, that data breach, uh, well, that data's been breached. So now identity thieves have yet, have yet more information. This is Social Security. I mean, this is everything. So what do you do to protect yourself? Well, let me suggest LifeLock, and I have been a customer of LifeLock uh, way before I started telling you about LifeLock on this show. So, you know, I'm a big fan, obviously. And here's what LifeLock does. Not only does it monitor what's going on, a lot of, a lot of companies do that, and then alerts you to what's happening if there's an issue, and a lot of companies do that too. But what LifeLock does, if your identity is compromised, it works to fix that problem. And they'll spend up to a million dollars on lawyers or experts and experts to try to straighten that out. I mean, that's what they do. Now, no one can prevent all identity theft or monitor every transaction or every business. But in my opinion, LifeLock is the best. And they did save my daughter Barbara's rear end a couple, three years ago when uh, someone grabbed her identity, shut it down. So membership start at $9.99 a month plus applicable taxes. Go to LifeLock.com, promo code HANDLE. For 10% off your life, uh, LifeLock Ultimate Plus membership, 10% off, go to LifeLock.com, promo code HANDLE, or you can call 800-LIFELOCK, 800-LIFELOCK. This is Handle on the Law. Julie Slater in the KFI Newsroom with some news. 
iHeartRadio is the easy-to-use app for music and radio. Download the free iHeartRadio app today. Today on the Mo Kelly Show, United Airlines needs a hug, but it won't get one from me. We'll have the latest. We've got your review of both The Fate of the Furious and the just-released Star Wars Episode Eight trailer. And if that weren't enough, the great Ernie Hudson drops us a line to talk about his Fox television cop drama, APB. Mo Kelly, tonight at 6. KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. KFI AM uh, 640. Bill Handel here on a uh, Saturday morning. More Handel on the law. Marginal legal advice. Uh, Hello, Gilbert. Your turn. Welcome to the show. Oh, okay, Bill. I recently received a notice in the mail from the Pension Trust Board. And let me read you a couple of paragraphs here, Bill. Yeah, no, you're not going to give me a couple of paragraphs. That takes too long. So okay, uh, just paraphrase. Okay, paraphrase, Bill. I They sent me a model letter to where I have to get it notarized. That part I understand. And order order must include a cover and signature page prior to entering into the court. Okay, so into the court. Have, wait, wait. Into the court? They actually use the word court from the pension fund? Uh, yes, they want a... It has to... Furthermore, we suggest the inclusion of a signature page that allows room for all parties involved. Okay, what, so I don't, what do you mean all parties? Is it a pension plan just for you? Uh, yes, she relinquished. Oh, I, oh, I get it. You're talking about your wife relinquished. Ex-wife. Ex-wife. No, I understand. Okay, she relinquished, and they just want proof that she relinquished. Got it. Uh, and yeah, they want a court. Yeah. And they want a court order, I guess, covering their asses. Okay. Uh, so, what is your question? Okay, Bill. Uh, the dissolution of marriage took place in Riverside County Court. Do yeah. I have to go to Riverside County? No, court no. You can. No, you get. No, it's a public document. No, you can pull. Okay. Yeah, you can just pull it off. You can, you know, send it uh, to the county recorder in Riverside County, and they'll send you a certified copy. That's an easy one. Okay. So what's your what's your other question? Oh, here's another question, Bill. Uh, when when they were living here, her mother ruined my wooden fence. The support beams they rotted out because she overwatered it. All right. How long and, ago was that? Oh boy, that was like say the damages that she caused. How, how long ago? How many years ago? I'd say about. Uh, Four or five. Yeah, no, you're out of luck. But nice talking to you. Oh, yes. Uh, August. Oh, August. Uh, uh, Shane, hello. Shane, you there? No, that's August, right? I'm getting all confused. There you go, August. August. All right, go ahead. Mr. Handel, there was a recent case law called the City of San Jose versus Superior Court where... The state and federal employees' private cell phones can be called upon in court, which has always been in law. But now private emails and text messages are also discoverable, and this is a form to show transparency. Uh, The issue of this is law enforcement is considered state employees. So obviously their cell phones, including private text messages and emails, should be called into court and put out on display for public. My question to you is, does this mean that law enforcement officers no longer that we're held to a higher standard even in private conversations with our wives, our brothers? Yeah. Are you are you a cop, August? 
Oh, we're going to leave that part out, if you don't mind, Mr. Handel. Oh, okay. So, does it really matter? But, okay. So, uh, does is law enforcement, is it applicable, the law about uh, transparency applicable to law enforcement? Uh, August, what do you think? Well, reading it over and seeing the numerous news articles about it, yes, it's you... going to be applicable to law enforcement. That's as, good, to... that's as good as answer as any. Good for you. All right, Shane, welcome. Yeah, hey, Bill, um, I was at a drive-thru, like I go to every morning for my breakfast, and I this time, though, I had to reach a little further than normal, and I grabbed my coffee from the guy, and it hit the door, and it ended up spilling on my upper leg, and it caused a severe hmm. second-degree burn. Yep. Uh, I was just wondering, do you know how hot coffee should be when uh, they serve it at a restaurant? No, I don't <laughs> yeah, know how, how hot coffee should be, but there's a great case relating to that, and you may be referring I know, I, to I, I, that based yes, on the, I remember that one. Yeah, based on the Stella Award, and it was against uh, McDonald's. And uh, it was the coffee was hot enough to cause severe burns, and people thought it was ridiculous. She got $2 million, which was send, then way reduced way down based on uh, what the judge did and what they, uh, the parties agreed to. Yeah. But that was one where there was an email that was sent uh, because people were complaining that the coffee wasn't hot enough. So internally, they said, we have to have hot coffee and I think either it fell out or it spilled and it wasn't her fault or it was. But the answer is no. I don't know how hot coffee uh, okay. has to be. I do know that the cups are much stronger. I do know that they're normally served with those sleeves now so you don't burn mm. yourself. And I think I know if you're reaching for a cup of coffee, you grab it and it spills on your door and then spills onto your lap, you're pretty much out of luck. Okay. Yeah, All it's right. – uh, yeah. And so uh, here's the other thing in terms of hot coffee. I Uh think hot coffee has to be hot enough so you consider it hot coffee. (laughs) I think that's the temperature that uh, they want. This is Handle on the Law. Uh, All right, phone numbers uh, you can call. I'm sorry, uh, there's a left a little glitch there uh 800-520-1kfi because the top of the hour is coming up and you can uh get in line all right because there's not much of a line also if you need a lawyer incidentally uh handle on the law.com i don't usually say that but you'll see me uh referring to handle on the law.com when people say oh bill how do i get a lawyer i don't know uh give me a referral and i don't give specific referrals but keep in mind that uh we've got i don't know 100 and something lawyers on handle on the handle handle on the law.com specializing in every area of the law KFI AM uh, 640. Bill Handel on a Saturday morning. A couple more hours to go right up until 11 o'clock when Leo Laporte is here, 11 to 2. And then uh, Neil Saavedra with a fork report. Mo Kelly tonight from 6 to 8. Monique Marvez till uh, 10 o'clock. And Brian Suits, the dark secret place from 10 to midnight. That's his usual time. And tomorrow... Uh, he Well, they just added a second show, and that's from 8 to 10 tomorrow night with Brian. And he calls it the Super Hyper Local Sunday Show. And then tomorrow morning, Elizabeth Espinoza. This is the weekend from 5 to 7. Jesus Christ from uh, 7 to 10. 
the new home show with Dean Sharp, The House Whisperer, 10 to 11, and Leo, and uh, Wendy Walsh from 4 to 6. So we've got, uh, that's your pretty much your weekend. Hopefully you stay put right here on KFI. 800-520-1KFI, 800-520-1534. This is Handle on the Law. And uh, usually bad guys stay bad guys. Every once in a while, there is a real bad guy who turns out to have a heart of gold. And that's what this story is. Uh, there was a guy by the name of Robert Seaman, or Seaman, S-E-M-A-N, and he was uh, a, a triple murder defendant, and this is in Ohio. He was accused of setting a house uh, on fire, killing a 10-year-old and her grandparents, and uh, he set the home on fire because uh, one of the grandparents planned to testify him against him in a rape case. And trial was scheduled for next week, and he was in the courthouse for a status hearing. And this is where uh, comes uh, someone who really cares about society. Considering how expensive trials are, and if he was fairly poor, which I'm assuming most of these cases, they can't afford their own attorneys. So uh, it is a state-appointed uh, attorney, which means taxpayers uh, pay for this. Uh, what he did was graciously jump off the fourth floor, took a swan dive, and splatted on the concrete four floors uh, beneath where he jumped off this railing. And so uh, we have to put him down as someone who is a horrible human being and actually cared about society, saving us uh, tons, well, saving people in Ohio, tons and tons of money. So to Robert Seaman, uh, a belated thank you. From uh, the taxpayers. All right. Phone calls. Hello, Jay. Yes, Jay, you're up. Hey, all right. Um, So about four years ago, I was running a medical marijuana delivery service. And I was robbed. Um, Two guys came up, uh, took my product, and took off down the street. So that was I called 911. Uh, The police came, uh, pulled him over the bottom. He was on foot. The bad thing it was he was about four blocks from the police station, so they were on right away, and there was like seven police cars. So hey, is there a, Jay? It, I'm having a hard time understanding. The phone line really sucks here. Uh, I'm assuming you're on a cell phone, right? I am. You know, go to the next caller. I'm going to pull over to the next. Oh yeah, I know. If you're on a hands-free, it's very difficult. So okay, uh, yeah, we'll come back. Uh, we'll come back on that one. I think you have to call again and uh, move over to a hands-free for sure. Uh, okay, Kate, uh, let's go to you. Hello, Kate. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi. Um, I'm wondering, I have a school loan, and I'm wondering if my new husband, when we marry, is he going to be responsible for my school loan? Uh, no. Uh, no, that's the short answer, no. Now, let me get a little bit more complicated. Do you owe any money on the school loan? Oh, yes, I do. All right. So, you are, are you, uh... In default on the school loan, are you current? No, I'm current. Well, then it really doesn't matter because here's what ends up happening. If they get a judgment against you on the school loan, uh, and uh, I don't know if school loans have to go to judgment, but uh, anything that you owe 
they can go into joint accounts because yes. anything that's joint, you owe the entire you own the entire amount as your husband owns the entire amount. That's joint tenancy. Both of you own all of it together, which means if you have a debt, they can go and grab all of it. But that's the only thing they can get. If you keep them separate, if you keep your uh, checking account separate, they can't touch. Uh, they can't touch him. But if you're current, it doesn't matter because they're not going to go after you anyway. No, I know that. And if you start uh, defaulting on the loan, you separate out your che- uh, checking accounts. Okay. That's the okay. E- that's the easiest way of doing it. Lisa. Hi, Lisa. You're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hey there. All right. So here's my situation. We are currently renting through a management company. And our lease is up at the end of next month. So a couple of days ago, they notified us that the homeowners are going to sell the house. All right. You're not, okay. uh, on, you're not on the speakerphone, are you? No, I'm No. Yeah, it's so difficult no, sometimes. All right. Uh, so owners of the property notified you they're selling the house, right? Yeah, the property management company notified us that okay. the homeowners are selling the house. Yep. And uh, the next day after they notified us, the realtor shows up at our house. And says we're putting the house up on the market Saturday, or you know, tomorrow. Yeah, they can and do that. We, and we need the keys because uh, no, we're going to start no, it. No, you say no, no, thank you. No, no, it's yeah. not in the lease. Okay, uh, this because- is your this is your property until you move out. Mm-hmm. And the only way the landlord can get in there, especially if there is uh, no uh, if there's no language of the contra- uh, contrary, uh, then uh, it's your call. It's your property. And you simply okay, tell them no, or you call the landlord and you say, "Hey, you want to sell the property? We're, you know, cut, cut us a deal right now on the rent. You know, yeah. knock off five hundred dollars a month, make it worth our while." But no, yeah, you they, can't they just arbit. You can't just arbitrarily have people walk into my house. Yeah. Now the landlord yeah, yeah. can come in, uh, but that's only for emergency uh, emergency situations, okay. e- exigent exactly. circumstances. And showing the house sure as hell is an exigent, exigent. So you mm-hmm. tell them to go pound it. James, hello, James. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi, how you doing? Um, I I moved out of my house, and three months later, the landlord wanted to do a walkthrough. We went to court. They awarded me all the money. Then she took me to court. Didn't show up. What do I do now? Collect the money because you have a judgment. Okay, now how do I go about that? That's a different. That's not easy. Collecting judgments are no fun if they don't want to pay you. Uh, so uh-huh. uh, you have uh, uh, you have a copy of the checks that you wrote your landlord. Yes. All right. Back of the check, you'll notice that there is a deposit, uh, either uh-huh. a number handwritten or stamped, and that's the bank account. You can go after that bank account. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's there's a bunch of different ways of doing it, and I'm not going to go through all of them, but just look up how to collect money after a judgment. Oh, okay. Yeah, just, do, right. just do an internet search on that one. Allison. Hello, Allison. You're up. Hi. Yes. My aunt just moved out of her apartment about a lot within the last few days and moved into another apartment within the same complex. She asked the management what is the deal with the security deposit as it does it transfer since it's still within the same complex. And they tell they told her that they're keeping the full deposit, plus she has to pay another deposit. But the apartment was in perfect 
order. Okay. Uh, well, the she should get back the deposit. Uh, there's no question. Uh, but uh, it, within the same complex, I mean, technically, they should give it back because she's moving into another location. And I'm right. assuming that was her call to move in the other apartment. Yes. All right. So from it's a one bedroom to a two. Bedroom. Okay. Fair enough. So. Uh, effectively, what they're saying is we'll go ahead and keep what you have. We'll credit that. And then the deposit that we would charge for a two-bedroom place, which is different, or it's been enough years so where the deposit has gone up, uh, they're effectively saying you pay the difference to bring you up to a full deposit. It's a new place. No, that I understand, but they're not giving her credit for anything. Oh, if they're, no, they have to give her, no, they have to give her credit. They're just keeping the deposit. And Correct. saying, we're keeping it. How much is the difference? Uh, what do they want as a deposit? They want the full deposit of a two-bedroom. Okay. Uh, then they, like they can't. That's, they're, they're just stealing the money. Okay. That's so just since it. It's already been, since it's already been a few days, um, how long do they have to invoice her showing her where the money of the original deposit went to? Uh, they, what action should she take now? She has to write a letter and saying you want it, especially since they're holding on to the money for no reason. They have to do an immediate evaluation of uh, the apartment that she left uh, showing whether there's any damage or not. Now, they do have a couple of weeks to do it. I think it's two, maybe three weeks. I don't know what the law is on that one exactly. Uh, But they have to return it. And they do have a right to say new deposit. And they do have a right to say we're not giving you the old deposit until we figured out if there are any damages or any rent is owing because then there's an offset. Uh, But if they're charging full blast full board, they have to give back the deposit. You said okay, they're just perfect. keeping it. It doesn't sound yeah. like they're just keeping it. Have they told no, they're you they're, have they told, what do you mean? They, if it's, how long has it been? Three days? It's been about four days. Since that, that's, left that's, that doesn't mean they're keeping it. No, they've told her. She went back. Then you have to go through, then you have to go through the statutory period in which they have to make an accounting and give the money. And if they don't, it's an instant small claim suit case. And it's an okay. absolute winner. Okay, perfect. That's what I want them to Yeah, but then okay, she has to and but and then she has to still live there, but it's but you can't leave that alone. How much was the deposit? She put down um, a thousand. Oh yeah, they just can't you can't let them just keep a thousand dollars because they want to keep a thousand dollars. That's so, what I told her. Yeah, so you just wait the statutory time and okay. uh then file a small claim suit and it's done. It's it, reco- Oh, sorry about that. I recommend uh, I hung up on her. I recommend yeah. All right. This is Handle on the Law. And Julie Slater in the newsroom. Julie, what's the news? To master the art of outdoor living is to realize that almost everything that happens inside the house can happen outside too and may even be better. Except for sending faxes. Don't put a fax machine on your patio. That is just weird and sad. Home with Dean Sharp, the house whisperer, tomorrow morning at 10 on KFI. AM 640. More stimulating talk. KFI AM 640. Bill Handel here. On a uh, Saturday morning, more handle on the law, marginal legal advice. Okay, Jack, you're up. Welcome to the show. Hey, Bill. I wanted to see if I can sue the state and government officials, uh, specifically Jerry Brown and Eric Garcetti, for all the tax money I pay them since they're not supporting federal law. That's ah. increasing my uh, my uh, 
and uh, living here. In right. California. And how and how are they? Uh, we're talking about the mayor of Los Angeles and the governor of California for those people that don't live in California or the city of Los Angeles. So, Jack, uh, how are they uh, not enforcing federal law? Well, they're letting people who are here illegally stay here. They're not you're not deported and they're not. Getting it's, I, I didn't know it was their job to deport people. I always thought it was the feds job to deport people. Is, aren't law enforcement supposed to help each other? No, not according to law. They're not. For example, well, then, the okay. How about this? The IRS okay. is an enforcement arm. They have an enforcement arm. Does the IRS call the city of Los Angeles and say collect the taxes from this guy? I, I don't know. What no, I don't either. Is, but, but let's but let's find out. Okay, okay. Uh, because I think this is a terrific uh, lawsuit. So here's what I want you to do. Because uh, maybe I can put you in touch with uh, people that uh, lawyers that are, are as interested. What I want you, you to like do to is, you know, am I going to take the case? Maybe. But here's what we're going to do is I want you to email my executive producer and uh, the engineer of this show, Mike Schaefer. And I want you to lay out in specificity what you want to do, how you want to do it. And I expect a good, healthy, long email on this, okay? Because we okay. have to get this together. I mean a long one. It's Mike right. Schaefer, and that's at uh, the radio station, my, our home radio station in Los Angeles. And you, you can do a little bit of research because I don't want to promote the station, KFI. And it's uh, – <laughs> but what you do want to do is let's get going on this, okay? Because, frankly, okay. I'm getting a little tired of uh, – the feds uh, of state and local governments not applying the law, even though it isn't the law. But we'll make this, we'll straighten this out because damn those feds, if uh, or damn the local authorities. You know, if the border, if the border people won't throw out uh, illegal aliens, for example, if the border patrol won't throw them out, we will. And right. if people at the border, for example, crossing the border. If you have a couple of guys there that won't do their job, we'll make sure that either a L.A. City cop or a, chi- or a highway patrolman does the job. We're going to do this, okay? Okay. All right. Now remember, uh, email to Mike Schaefer uh, here at the radio station. All right. Uh, Lee. Hello, Lee. Welcome. Hello. Yes, Lee. Lee, how you doing? Yes, uh, yes it is Lee. Was- yes. Okay. I, uh, I was in small claims court uh, in one of the local uh, communities yesterday, and uh, for an automobile accident that happened a year ago, the lady that rear-ended me did $10,000 worth of damage to my automobile. The insurance company initially accepted liability with one of their long-time adjusters. I contacted my insurance company, and they shifted it over to subrogation because they both agreed that the liability fell on the lady that hit me from behind. Ninety days. So what? What is subrogation? So they did they pay you? Subrogation is when two. Oh, I know what subrogation is. That means when the insurance company gets paid out, when the insurance company pays out. And then what ends up happening is they go after the the wrong party. I get that, but I don't understand. Okay, so you got uh, so the woman got paid, correct? And no, they the went, woman didn't get paid. Who got paid? The one, Ninety days after them accepting and memorializing that they accepted liability, here comes this guy who claims to be or was actually an employee, a special investigator from the insurance company, saying, oh, we just need a few more items and we'll be able to work this out. I cooperate with them. 
Then he writes me this letter stating that since I didn't make a hand signal and the lady rear-ended me when I was slowing down, that I caused the accident. Well, it's that's well, kind of unusual because usually rear-enders, exactly, yeah, that's, exactly. very, that's very unusual. But you know what? They can do it. They can change their minds. There's there's nothing ill okay. there's nothing illegal about the insurance company saying you know what uh, you may have been rear ended uh, Lee but you know we're going to hold you at fault that's all they can do that okay, now okay now we went to small claims court then didn't become the issue the this investigator so I got on our index our information index and because of your activities back in 1987. You know, we don't believe this is a good case. That's kind of stupid so, because what does that have to do with something that happened uh, decades ago? So I don't, I don't understand okay. that. Okay, but what does that have to do with? Again. So, okay. so what happened? So now we go. Now we go to small claims court. And what happened? And we're in court, and this judge is hardly letting me say anything. Yeah, that happens he, all the time. And he very, he's not even letting a lady say too much. All he's right, listening solely to this investigator Got it. who's using a, a data storage system. Right. So what you, is, and you lost, right? Not, and you lost the case. Yeah. All right. So what's your question, Lee? My question is, is there a way to uh to appeal this? Well, yeah, I I don't think so. It's summary it's a, it's a uh it is a uh summary judgment. And if there is, what you write is to the presiding court, uh the presiding judge of the court and lay out all the facts but the presiding judge is going to say, uh, you know what? Well, we don't care. We don't care, uh, Lee. Go, go pound sand, and uh, it's, oh, it's over. Now, can you appeal uh, the decision besides the presiding court? Well, I no, you can't because uh, effectively it's so loose and easy. I mean, technically you can, and you can argue procedure, but you know what an appellate brief does? I mean, do you have any idea what it oh, takes no. to write an appellate brief? Those liars, mm-hmm. uh, those lawyers, liars, that's very Freudian. Mm-hmm. Those lawyers mm-hmm. end up seven, eight hundred dollars an hour for appellate lawyers. Mm-hmm. Are you prepared to do that? Uh, under these circumstances, I have no choice. Really? So you'll spend fifteen, twenty thousand dollars. No, I won't. I won't. I'm a, I'm a paralegal. That doesn't so matter. Have you ever written? A, have you ever written an appellate brief? No. Okay. No. Then you have to go yeah. to a lawyer because I certainly haven't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're you're unfortunately you're screwed. Unfortunately you're screwed. You got caught up in the system that screws people and there's nothing you can do about it. That's it. I mean that's the reality. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah, it is. I mean, when does anybody? Here's the problem. What people do is is somehow mix up the word justice with the justice system. And uh, if if they actually coincide, that's serendipitous. This is Handle on the Law. Julie Slater in the KFI Newsroom. KFI News, where local leads. KFI, an iHeartRadio station. Let's make some memories round this nine-foot pie. Pull up a chair and stay a while at the family table. This is uh, KFI AM uh, 640 Handle here. Uh, More handle on the law. Marginal legal advice. All right, Tom, you're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hello. 
Tom? Hello? Yes. Oh, hello. Yes, sir. Yes, recently I uh, discovered that a pawn shop that I had some tools and uh, loan for had sold my tools, and I did not receive a notice. The question being, is the uh, state, I understand the state courtesy, mandated courtesy, 10-day courtesy notice after the maturation of the loan date, mandatory, legally mandatory. All right. And so they, and, and they didn't notice you? Nope. All right. So got it. So your question is? Yeah, it'll be pivotal where I can take legal further legal action. Well, yeah, I don't know. All you do is all you have to look is uh, under uh, what the statute is about the 10 day notice, because I don't have it in front of me, unfortunately. And I'm not going to shut off the mic and spend the next several minutes uh, looking it up. Uh, but, it's yeah, but on me. I understand that. Yeah, but it, it all has to do with uh, whether or not it, failure to give you the 10 day notice. Uh, does that mean that uh, they're in violation? Which probably yes, based on what you yes, said. Contra- and then, I understand it's contractual, right? Uh, and then what are and then what are the consequences? Is it just uh, the value of uh, the tools? Is it the value after the yes? Is after it, paying off the was owed to them uh, legally owned to them on the loan originally made. Uh, that would be my understanding. Okay, and I don't and know what the law says, but yes, the answer is uh, what I would argue the value of the tools. Uh, because Correct. it's uh, when they loan you money, they loan you X percentage of the value. They certainly don't loan you the entire amount of the value of the tools. No, that makes no sense. Correct. You are correct. Right. So, uh, yeah, you just get to figure out. You get to read the old law and see what the consequences are. There may even be uh, some additional sanctions. There may be triple damages. Uh, I do not know. All right, Bill. Hello, Bill. How you doing, Bill? Yes, sir. I got uh, about two years ago, I had a hernia mesh surgery. And um, I've been having some trouble with the mesh. It's been there's been some pain in my lower abdomen. Okay, that was two years ago, right? Yeah, okay. approximately. All right. Um, and, and it's been I've had lower abdominal pain, uh, cutting. You know, I could feel it cutting into my tissue down there. Um, I have been hearing on the radio they've been advertising for. Um, yeah, the class action suits. Yeah. All right. Uh, and you want to know which way do you go, either private lawyer or class action? Yeah. All right. I First, I'm going to suggest you go to a private lawyer to see if uh, the lawyer wants to take it or not. Do you have any of those on your website? Uh, yeah, I have, but I don't know if they take these kinds of cases because these get to be very specific. Mm-hmm. One of the things about the class action lawyers is they know this stuff cold. And then you have to look at how much money are you going to get uh, in terms of, well, you won't get anything in terms of pain and suffering. There'll be X number of dollars, and it's far less than what you would get if you're in front of a jury or in front of a judge right. who finds that they are liable. But then the issue is, can you find a lawyer who's willing to do this on a single case, and what's it worth? And so you get to do the research. So you first talk to a lawyer who has specialized uh, in, obviously, medical malpractice, but actually it's product liability is what it really is. Yeah, I'm going to have to find out. There's, a, there's, they have been recalled, so I have to see if that mesh that was implanted in me was recalled. Oh, then that you know, still product liability. If you have, uh, if it is, uh, then it's a question of uh, how much money is there a settlement? Yeah. So two things. Number one, you go to a private lawyer, see if uh, the lawyer will take it. And number two, uh, if the lawyer says no, and a few of them say no, then it's an easy peasy one. Then you just join the class action. Actually, you're already in the class action. You have to opt out of a class action suit, and they send you all kinds of uh, literature and mail, and they send you forms. Please sign this if you want to opt out. Tristan. Hi, Tristan. Yes, sir. I have a question. Um, 
recently there's an article from the uh, in, about the ATF uh, saying that the police were buying off roster yes uh, guns and selling them yes I wonder I wonder if it's possible to sue California under the Fourteenth Amendment because we as just regular citizenry of California can't buy off roster guns ah. Yeah, that's. I think you probably can uh, because I, you know, we as citizens can't do what the police can do. You know, we don't have yep. the same arresting powers. Uh, we don't have. Uh, I can't just hand handcuff someone, and the police can do that. And I think as a citizen, I ought to be able to do what the uh, police do. Don't you think? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Now I think so. I even though but they have it, to be sworn in, even though they have to pay, uh, pass the exam, etc. I think citizens uh, we ought to. For example, uh, the police are able to uh, use assault weapons and put snipers on top of buildings with SWAT. I should be able to do that because yeah, that's a violation can. of my Fourteenth Amendment. It is. Everybody's equal under the law, right? No, they're not. No. No. Everybody is not equal under the law. You don't think police officers are treated differently? You don't think elected officials are treated differently? Oh, you don't think judges are treated differently under the law? How about the ADA? <laughs> How about this? Americans with Disability Act. Why can't I sue on the ADA? Hey, That's I have right. a right to sue, but you're not handicapped, Bill. It doesn't matter. Because those people over there can sue being a handicap. Therefore, I ought to be able to. How about racial discrimination? Tristan, are you white? Yes, sir. How come you can't sue under racial discrimination? Because everybody should be able to. Every race, every creed, every religion, uh, there should be no protected class. That's the way I look at it. No, I understand. How about minors? How about if I'm 12 years old? Why can't I smoke? I'm mature enough to do that. Why Why can't I own a gun? And I know, Tristan, you should be able to own a gun at 12 years of age. I get it. Well, yeah, but I mean, my my theory was just uh, equal under protection under the law. No, I understand that. Yeah, if no equal. A- no, I get it. Equal protection under the law. No, I understand. So, how about a ninety-year-old who's not allowed to drive anymore? Uh, is that uh, the, and stopping that person? Is that uh, not a violation of equal protection? Uh, I think so. All yeah. right. Well, if it's all a violation of equal protection, then God bless you. You know, felons with guns. I'm fine with that. Felons who have killed people with guns. Hey, give them guns. Tristan, obviously I wanted to take that. I should have hung up on you, but I just wanted to have a good time with you. Uh, Why? Because uh, Tristan has an IQ of par golf, and he's having a hard time understanding basic concepts. Sure, why not? Oh. All right, Maria. Hello, Maria. Hi. Yes. Yes. Um, my mom is 75 years old, and she has uh, dementia. She has been sent to collections um, by a medical center. Um, she went to the ER over two years ago, and they should have um, billed her insurance, which at the time was Kaiser. Yep, and they didn't. So the question, they didn't, and so now we're in collections for over $15,000. Okay, does she have um, any assets? Well, she's got a house. Um, which is in reverse mortgage, so so that doesn't, doesn't really so that doesn't have. help that doesn't help her or that doesn't help the Correct. collection people. Okay, no, that's it. That's so all she the, has. What? Well, yeah, she's right. got a car. She's got you know. They're not going to take the car. The, They're not going to take the car. And you simply what's the worst thing. Yeah, the worst thing is they sue her and uh, you um, counter sue Kaiser, and 
Yeah, they're probably not going to do much, but here's uh, the bottom line. They're going to they're going to sue you. You then counter sue Kaiser and uh, then you get to go. It's, it's a little bit complicated because Kaiser has an arbitration clause, but I don't know if that would kick in when you're being sued. The bottom line is I don't think they're going to be mu- do much. She writes so, back a letter saying, you know, I have nothing. I have a reverse mortgage, right, which right. you really can't get a uh, hold of because that's, this is not a secure debt and theirs is a secure debt. And you say, hey, you know what? I've got uh, nothing. If you want to collect uh, for nothing, God bless you. And she's 75 and has dementia, so it doesn't matter if there's a judgment against her. Okay. Yeah, so uh, I wouldn't worry about it. Okay. All right, that's easy. Yeah, you tend to, you know, I get that all the time. uh, When I, from my father, uh, when he died, and I think he had a couple of uh, debts and uh, it was, uh, for, for some reason, it was separate deaths. And I never understood that. But they would write uh, to him. Maybe they were all community. But anyway, they would write to, uh, they would write to me because the address came to me. And uh, it would it'd be uh, Leo handled care of Bill Handle at my address in my office because I paid all his bills out of my office. And when he died, the, the bills would come. And I would write deceased and just send it back. And then they would send it to me again. And I would write, uh, he's dead, exclamation mark. Nothing. Then I'd get another one, and then I even stopped answering. I just put on the envelope and sent it back, saying, completely dead, exclamation mark. Okay? Then the next one would come, do you understand death, exclamation mark? So eventually it stopped, but uh, it, it, there's, there's a whole system, and it's a computerized system, and it, it just takes a while. So you're going to be dealing with the uh, collections people for a while, to say the least. This is Handle on the Law. Julie Slater in the KFI Newsroom. What's the latest? On the next dark secret place, all eyes are on North Korea as the North Koreans prepare their sixth nuclear test. Will they do it or not? And is the United States really prepared for what it would take to stop a North Korean nuclear program? The Dark Secret Place. Tonight at 10. KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. I can't escape this now unless you show me how. KFI AM 640. Handle here. And a uh, good morning. More handle on the law. Marginal legal advice. Uh, Sean. Hi, Sean. Bill, yeah. Uh, yeah, I have an HOA question. I received a notice about a year ago that stated I need to take my facial wood and my front door. I've decided to sell my house, so I painted the wood, the door, the shutter, and the garage door. Uh, didn't get a notice or anything from the HOA. I'm closed escrow yesterday, and I got a notice on Tuesday saying that I was in violation because they changed the new color palette, and they wanted me to paint the whole house in the new colors. Do I have a case? Do you have a case for what? You closed escrow and it's done? No, I had to. In order to close yesterday, I had to sign an amendment for $5,000 to cover the cost of painting the house. Ah. The new color color. Yeah. Uh, even though I'm not going to be living there, I guess the new owner got it. Color. All right. Uh, so, do you have a case? Oh, yeah. If they uh, see, I don't know how uh, the homeowner association could force uh, a homeowner to repaint everything <laughs> because they changed the color palette. But uh, assuming they did, 
Uh, how is escrow being stopped? Have they thrown a lien on the property? Well, they, they, I don't know if they could have. Okay, no, no, you have to find out because if you tell them to go pound sand, I don't know how they stop the escrow because the escrow is between you and the buyer. Yes. So are they, uh, if, I, if they've thrown a lien on the property, uh, then uh, the, the property still closes and they get their lien and then you sue them for $5,000. So I, again, do you, do you know how they're stopping the sale? They did not because I put in, I paid the $5,000. Why? And my proceeds because the home, I was trying to do a continuous close and I didn't, I already signed loan docs on my next place. No, I understand, but I don't understand how escrow could have, you see, you think that somehow they had the power to stop the sale. They don't. Unless they throw a lien on it, and then it's going to, they're going to get paid anyway, and then you can go back and sue them. Yes, the argument is you can sue them, absolutely. Uh, their argument is going to be, but you agreed. Sean, you agreed to this. And then you're going to come back and say, you know what? I had no choice. I was selling the house. I had already bought another house, and they were going to be uh, continuous or con- congruent closings. So uh, this was I had no choice. This was pure extortion. So that's what you do. You close the house. So now your house is going to close, obviously, because there are no other contingencies left, correct? Yeah, it closed yesterday. All right. And then, uh, and so now you turn around and sue them for $5,000. Okay. Yeah, Thank it's, you. It's that simple. Uh, none of this is very complicated. Rarely is. All right. Uh, when it comes to IRS breaches, well, uh, this one is an I. Well, actually, it is. There's an IRS data tool uh, that allows you to... Um, Upload tax returns for the free application for federal student aid. In other words, to prove how much money you make or don't make when you're asking for uh, student aid, uh, they you then upload the taxes. So they don't just take your word for it. They're going to go, hey, prove this. Send us your uh, taxes or your tax forms. Well, identity thieves have gotten hold of this. And now yet another tool to nail you and establish credit and clean out bank accounts even get into your retirement funds. And so what do you do to protect yourself? Well, tell you what I do, and that is I'm a customer of LifeLock, my entire family, because every single person is susceptible. As a matter of fact, kids are even more susceptible. So what LifeLock does is uh, detect your information. Uh, they will send you an alert if something is going on. And if your identity is compromised, then LifeLock comes in and works like crazy to fix that problem. They'll spend up to a million dollars in attorney fees and experts to get that unraveled. That's what LifeLock does. Now, while no one can prevent all identity theft or monitor every transaction at every business, LifeLock, in my opinion, and since I've been a customer for so long, clearly I think it's the best. So membership start at $9.99 a month plus applicable taxes. Go to LifeLock.com and use the promo code HANDLE for 10% off your Ultimate Plus membership. That's lifelock.com, promo code HANDLE for 10% off, or call 800-LIFELOCK. That's 800-LIFELOCK. This is Handle on the Law.
KFI AM 640. Bill Handel here on a Saturday morning. And uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. Does that sound uh, at all sincere? Uh, maybe. More than most of the time. All right. Coming up right after the show, 11 to 2 o'clock, Leo Laporte, Neil Saavedra from uh, 2 to 5 o'clock, 6 to 8, Mo Kelly, Monique Marvez from 8 to 10, and then Brian Suits uh, with Dark Secret Place. Brian... Now here will be heard twice, uh, once on Saturday, 10 to 12 is normal time, and now a new normal time from 8 to 10 on Sunday night. So you get twice the Brian Suits, you also get twice the Mo Kelly, uh, 6 to 8 o'clock, both Saturday and Sunday. And the new show, well, it's not getting, it's not so new, it's getting fairly in, in the uh, programming now, is the Dean Sharp, uh, the House Whisperer, home with uh, the House Whisperer, Dean Sharp, and that's from 10 to 11 o'clock on Sunday mornings. All right. This is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice, where I tell you, you have absolutely no case. Now, uh, virtually every municipality has a leech, uh, a leash law. That makes sense. You, know, you don't want your dogs running around and eating people and just getting in the way, running out on streets, et cetera. So, uh, and if you're caught without a leash, you're in violation of the law. Well, South Dakota also has a leash law. And Jerry Kimball was in violation of the leash law and got a ticket for $190 because he failed to put a leash on his pet boa constrictor, Lucy, when he took her to the park. I mean, as he uh, told, obviously, this became a rather enormous story. So the local newspaper, the Argus Leader, interviewed him. And he said, quote, he, and he's talking about the uh, animal control guy, was literally asking me to put a rope around my snake. I was like, dude, no. I was dumbfounded. So the animal control supervisor told the, uh, told the paper the ticket was appropriate. Why? Because snakes fall under the same restrictions as cats and dogs. Now, I don't know how you put a leash on a snake. Well, I know how. You put it around its neck, but it's, oh, who the hell knows? Uh, unintended consequences. You think they would even either say it is limited to four, four animal, four-legged animals, although what do you do with your pet chicken? I don't know. What do you do with your pet snake? I don't know. Uh, what do you do with your three-legged dog who lost a leg in an accident? I don't know. Would that be exempt? All right, let's take some phone calls. Hi, Sherry. Hello. Yes, ma'am. What can I do for you? Well, I have a friend whose son is all is married but all but uh, divorced. He's fairly separated. Anyway, he wants to donate sperm to someone. Okay. And I and we wanted to know if. He can do that, or his wife can legally stop him. No, no, his wife can't stop him. I mean, they could have been married for 46 years, and his wife can't stop him. I mean, okay, so nothing legally she can do? Nothing legally she can do. If he wants to donate sperm, uh, go ahead. God bless him. Now, is he talking about someone he knows? Yes. Make sure that he does it through a doctor's office. Okay. Or else he's dad. He's not a sperm donator. Um, that might not be a problem. Uh, that might want to be in the future. Yeah, that he wants to be a dad. Yeah. Well, uh, here it is. If he wants to be a father now, uh, then 
he can do whatever he wants. He can do it through the auspice of a. Why doesn't he? Is there sex involved? Is he is he stay, still able to uh, function sexually? Oh yeah. And she's able to function sexually. Yes. Why don't they just screw? Well, it's it's mainly a thing of of wanting to know if the wife had a say in this. She has no say. Okay. No say whatsoever. I mean, he can be married to her and have a child with someone else and have a full relationship. She cannot stop. The wife cannot stop him from doing anything. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Thank you okay. so much. Yeah. You can always stop. You got to be careful with the word sperm donor. When you use the word sperm donor, it's very specific. And the reason that uh, you either want to be a donor or a dad, and if you if someone wants to be a donor. Then it has to be through a doctor. There has to be a contractual relationship. that has to be in writing. And therefore, the donor really is a donor. In other words, having no liabilities whatsoever, cannot call himself dad, and having no ability to come in and say, this is my child. Can't sue for custody, can't be sued for support, and can't come back in and say, this is my kid. That's a donor. Everything other than that, they tend to call them dads. Dads can be sued for child support and are all day long. Dads can also come in and say, I'm dad, and I want joint custody of this kid, whether or not we get along. So you have to be very, very careful between uh, donors and uh, those that are fathers. Now, in the world of donors, I have to, to tell you, uh, it's it, most men are potential donors and have been their entire lives. It's a question of practice to get there to produce uh, the sperm specimen. So most, by the time you're asked to be a sperm donor, you pretty well know what to do. You don't need a lot of instruction in that regard. Hello, Matthew. Hey, good morning, Handel. How yeah, are you? I'm good. What can I do for you, Matthew? So I have less than $20,000 in debt. I want to file bankruptcy, and I keep getting, oh, we can do it for you for 2000 Oh, we can do it for you for 1500 I just need to know. Whether I should do it myself and pay uh, a paralegal a few yeah, hundred dollars? Yeah, I or... would. I'd do it. Yeah, if you're talking $20,000, it's a simple bankruptcy. And uh, if uh, I'm assuming that there is, do you own property? No, I do not okay. own a vehicle. That's it. Yeah, but... you're, then just, you can go on. You can actually do it through the Internet. But you can, uh, yeah, a paralegal is fine. I, I wouldn't hire a lawyer to do that. Awesome. Thank All you. Right. I appreciate it. Yep. Now, you're going to screw it up, of course, Matthew. And uh, you're going to bounce it back. And you're going to need to hire a lawyer to undo what you have done, and it's going to cost you twice as much. But, hey, what the hell? All I tell you is I wouldn't do that. But then I like paying lawyers because I just happen to feel that way. All right. This is Handle on the Law. Coming up today on the Fork Report, we'll talk Easter candy, of course, and then coloring Easter eggs with natural coloring and the things you have laying around the house. And if you have a cat, no joke, why your Easter lilies can kill them. The Fork Report with Neil Saavedra. Today at 2, KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk.
Welcome back to uh, KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. Bill Handel here. This is Handel on the Law. Marginal legal advice. Uh, hello, Donnie. Welcome to Handel on the Law. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Uh, now, Don, Donnie, hold on a minute. I'm looking at the screen, and I notice that there may be some questionable language here. So I'm asking you to yep. be, be a little careful for the radio, please. You got it. Okay. So we have, I called 311 one day because we have a city problem and stuff like that. And they come out, they don't do their job right, and they leave. They just, they, they do whatever, and then they leave. Then another city official comes out, like an inspector uh, from the neighboring city, and said, hey, where are these guys at? You know, they're supposed to be on top of it, whatever. They end up coming out and doing the job right. After they did the job right, then I go and try to get get the report because, you know, I got a lot of damages, obviously, to my stuff, right? So when I go to get the report, the city manager goes and says, you know, I, you got to leave. I'm going to call the police. You know, I go, look, I just want the report of what you guys did. And then he goes and he throws all these profanities at me. And, you know, kind of discriminating me, kind of... Well, wait, wait, discriminating you in what way, other than uh, he was rotten to you? Yeah, he was rotten to me. You know, nobody ever talked to me like that. No, I get it, but that's not discrimination. That's him just being a rotten guy. So did did you ever get the report, Donnie? Never got the report. Are you entitled to the report? Uh, He wouldn't tell me. Uh, You get to find out because the guy is just an ass. Uh, that's what you have. You went to the department, you went to a municipal department where the guy is just a jerk beyond jerks. And so, number one, you get to find out if uh, you're entitled to the report. You may not be, for all I know. Uh, but if you are, you have to go to different, uh, a different way. But what is your question? You want to, uh, find out if you have any recourse as to what he called you? Sure. No, he can call you that all day long. He can get fired for it, but, uh, you're not, you can't sue him for that. No, of course not. What, you're going to sue someone every time they call you a name, even if they're in official capacity? Donnie, just don't, you don't sue people because someone uses horrible language to you. Mm. Yeah, and no, it doesn't work that way. And it may be true. Maybe you are, whatever he called you. Oh, yes. Patricia, hello, Patricia. Okay, so I recorded a phone conversation, uh, and I want to use it in a court case. Can't do it when I without, can't do it without their permission. Well, they asked if they could record the phone conversation for quality control in the beginning of the call. All right, an automatic recording. Then you said, and you said yes to that. Well, yeah, I continued on the phone call. Okay, and now you're saying you want to use that conversation. Okay. Because they already, I mean, the expectation of privacy, there was none because they, they already told me the phone call was being recorded. Right, so and you and you agree to that. Well. So uh, I guess you yeah. that they recorded it. Okay, you want to use that? Yeah, okay. Uh, you know, the argument they're going to say is, gee, we allowed it, but you didn't. But okay, uh, once it's out there, it is out there. So what's your question? Uh, if I could use it, because the Department of Managed Health Care told me that I couldn't. It was just yeah, a, I think, an attorney there. So Yeah, well, the attorney's going to tell you, but here's the problem. Because you allowed them to record it doesn't necessarily mean that they allowed you to record. It has to be double consent. And I think that's where the attorney is going. Oh, okay, okay. So well, when they say, saying. here's what happens. When someone says, 
Uh, gee, we're recording this for quality assurance, and it's a human being that says that. Uh, here's what I would say, and I'm going to suggest you do this again. Number one, uh, this has nothing to do with quality control. You're recording this because when I sue your ass off, uh, you can at least uh, say that I didn't say what, I, what I'm about to say. So it has nothing to do with quality assurance. Uh, second of all is I'm recording you for quality assurance. Now let's go on. And if they continue on, it's been a double. Uh, it's been a double uh, agreement that you're going to be able to record. So I think. Uh, I mean, they have a point. What is it that they that they said that you want to nail them on? Uh, it's just a bad faith claim with the IPA. So I was trying to submit it to the Department of Managed Healthcare just to help expedite their case. But I'm going to be suing uh, our health insurance company. No, for a man. Bad faith claim. Yeah, you have a lawyer on that. Uh, yeah, kind of. I mean, we've been kind of searching around. I haven't signed a retainer yet with anybody, but but there uh, and lawyers yeah, are so. and lawyers are willing to take it. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a there's damages. So okay, so there's and, and they're not it. and they're doing this on they're doing this on contingency and not wanting to write a, not wanting you to write a check. That's correct. Oh, good. Okay, then you probably have a good. Yeah, so call you know call your choose a lawyer. And uh, find out, you know, don't take my word for it. This is why you want someone who actually does this. My understanding is uh, I think the lawyer on the other side was right. Uh, you, uh, They did not give you permission to record their side of it. All right. This is Handle on the Law. And Julie Slater in the newsroom. Julie, what's the news? Traffic is getting worse. Probably the worst interchange in Los Angeles has to be the good old 405 and the 101. You know, I think the worst that I cover is the Orange Crush, where you get the 5, the 57, 22, all coming together. KFI is fighting back. With KFI in the sky, find out about the traffic that's affecting you from a whole new perspective. Jeff Bond. One of the most complicated to look at from the air is definitely the East LA interchange. Michael Bryant. Some afternoons on a Friday afternoon could tend to literally be slow from Santa Monica to Redlands. KFI in the Sky. An iHeart radio station. I know you wish that you could see in my window. Wishing you could pull up the blind. And I'm wearing my Romeo flower. Just me and my maid of mine. This is KFI AM640, more stimulating talk, Bill Handel, Saturday morning. And welcome back to Handel on the Law. Hello, Jesse. Yes. Yes, go ahead. I've had a DNR on file for years, and a couple of years ago I had a surgery, and I stopped breathing, had an apnea episode, and they had to start me breathing again. And before the surgery... They even confirmed that I had the DNR on file and yet restarted me. I was wondering if that's the case. You want to you wanna sue them for keeping you alive? Yes. And what are your damages because you're alive and not dead? Well, I'm, really, I, I'm in severe pain all the time. I'm tired of it. Yeah, I know. I understand. Why don't you kill yourself? And then, and then, your, prob- and then your problems are all over. Because I don't believe in that. But who? I, Wait a second. I, who doesn't believe? Feel, who, who doesn't believe I, in that? 
I feel like I missed my bus, Bill. My time came, and yeah. they, they took it away from me. Uh, you know what? I Yeah, I can understand that. I don't think that's going to go very far because your argument is going to be – it's a very interesting argument. Your oh. argument is going to be, I'd rather be dead than alive, and therefore my damages are that I'm alive and not dead – uh, that's a tough one to bring to the courts for a couple of reasons. First of all, uh, it's a public policy issue where the courts are not going to get into uh, literally looking at, okay, alive, dead, dead, alive. Are you better off dead than you are alive? Uh, that's a real tough one to argue. It's almost metaphysical, so I don't think the courts are going to uh, deal with that. So, I mean, the easiest way is to just go get a, a whole bunch of sleeping pills and just swallow up and you're done. Well, spiritually, I don't believe in that, but I believe that my time came and they took it away from me. Yeah, well, I get that. Okay. Uh, now, are you going to get a judge to buy that? I w- not me. If I'm on a jury, I just think you're nuts, Jesse. If you, if you, yeah, if you want to go, do it. I'm not going to get in your way. Whatever you do, just don't jump off a bridge uh, and uh, make sure that uh, you do it in front of me. So, number one, I don't care if you do it in front of me. I'm fine with that. But the traffic issue, I don't want to sit there. While the coroner is scraping you up off the pavement. I've had that happen before. I was on a train down to San Diego, and somebody decided they were going to do themselves in, so they got in front of the train. Boom! Four hours on that damn track. I'll tell you, if the guy hadn't killed himself, I would have gone out and killed him just for keeping me waiting on that train for four hours. God, I'll never forget that. That was horrible. Queenie. Yes. Yes, ma'am. What can I do for you, Queenie? I'm sorry, Mr. Handel. I just seem to be hitting the wall, and I keep calling and periodically calling you and bothering you. Yeah, you do. I was in a full federal courtroom situation where the real uh, federal judge who's um, asked for big favors was uh, a couple of inches behind his chamber door, but about eight or ten inches was open. He, did, I did see him. He saw me. And he, um, U.S. Marshal was in between. And then on the right side of me, uh, of the bench, in that federal courtroom downtown L.A., 1994 or so, uh, is the traffic court judge I had butted heads with. And I had said something to him and people who were also waiting to plead, uh, you know, traffic school. They went, ooh, like that when I said it. And I didn't think I had said anything. Okay, personal. Queenie, I'm a little confused. Federal court is not traffic court, so why were you in federal court? I was told because I had been making a pest of myself running from attorney to attorney. Yeah, and so you went to federal court. Then I uh, was called by U.S. Marshal and other people, come in and we're going to resolve this. I said, can I bring... The U.S. Marshal called you up and asked you to go into federal court to resolve an issue about a traffic ticket no. that you I'm, what am I where am I confused here Queenie No it's a federal a, a traffic court judge uh, abuse of power federal court judge abuse of power All right so how did you get into federal court uh, I was called told to come in and that they were Doesn't not- work that Queenie doesn't work that way you have to actually file papers No, no one- I said do I need an attorney when I I was on the phone they said come on in we'll decide if you need an attorney or not uh, And right. then I said uh, Queenie 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 how's your medication doing sweetheart Uh sir you're doing the same thing what they did to me Yeah I know Can I tell you who my workers were coworkers No Matter of fact I didn't even hang up on her I think uh, our screener did or we just lost her Yeah I remember I was in traffic court, and I took it to federal court. 
I wanted to originally take uh, it to the Supreme Court of the United States, and they almost took it. They almost took my traffic ticket. It was really close. All right, Tim. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What can I do for you? Yes, I have a quick question for you. Um, I just had $7,000 worth of uh, uh, plumbing costs to redo my sewer lines because my neighbor's roots grew into them. Uh, do I have a case against them? Absolutely. You know Absolutely. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's their roots that went into your sewer line. That's correct. And if you can prove that, right? I mean, that's not that hard to prove. You bet. Yep. Oh, yeah. That's your lawsuit. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You go. Okay, um, oh, yeah. It's done. You, it's, it's, it's a classic case. Your neighbor caused you damage for what your neighbor did. Okay. Yeah. No, you're fine. You're good. That's a classic small claims case. All you have to do is prove it now. You know, photos and the plumber and all of that. Hi, Mark. Hi, Bill. Yes, sir. Okay, married couple. Uh, husband has a credit card and uh, and his own checking account. The wife is not a signature on either one, and the wife somehow gets a check off the credit card and, and draws forges the name and draws cash off the credit card and out of the checking account and forges the name. Is the husband responsible? Well, are are they still married at that point? Well. Yeah, at that point. Yeah, they were, then it's but, tough. If they're still married at that point, yeah, it gets tough. Probably. Oh man. Probably. What I'll if, tell you why. Because uh, the wife's going to say, "Hey, I had permission to do it." No, but she and, forged. She forged. No, I get it. But she's going. But he's going to say it's a forgery, and uh, so even she's going to say, "Hey, I signed his name. I gave him permission to sign my name." That's what she's and going she's to say. And here's the problem: the it's the credit card companies. You think they're going to write it off if they don't have to? Right. So, but, of course, but, they're not going to. They're going to argue that it, they were married. Uh, he says, well, I didn't know. Uh, she, first of all, they're going to argue forgery. So, or they're going to say, come on, that's not forgery. Second of all, they may say, okay, she signed it. But so what? I give my wife permission to sign my name when I'm not around. No, but uh, she she is not. Uh, she was not a signature on the on I understand. No, I get it. But you have. they're going to argue, but you had permission to sign my name. I think they're, that's what they're going to argue, Mark. Who is? Is this you? No, I'm calling for my brother-in-law. Okay, you're, how much money is uh, the uh, the wife, who I'm assuming is going to be an ex-wife pretty soon, ripped off? Well, she's severely ex because she's no longer living too, and um, it's it's over ten thousand. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's what you get for marrying the wrong person. Uh, that's true. Yeah, that's it. I mean, just it's your choice. Uh, as a matter of fact, I would argue if it's only ten thousand dollars to find out you marry the wrong person, that's actually a bargain. Because, uh, you know, if I ever find out that I married the wrong person and I look at what Marjorie has actually cost me over the years, I'll kill myself. I mean, she has to be the right person under any circumstances because I can't even begin to deal with how much money she has cost me if it turns out she's the wrong person. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. This is Handle on the Law. Julie Slater in the KFI Newsroom. It's rolling out right now. The next version of Windows 10, Microsoft calls it the Creator's Edition. Some are calling it the Creator's Disruption. Have you had problems with it? Maybe we can help. We can talk about what's different, what's new, and how to install it safely. And, of course, answer all your tech questions. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Leo Laporte, this morning at 11. KFI AM 640. stimulating talk. Some people got the real problem. Some people lie to love.
This is Handle on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice. Hi, John. Yes. Yes, sir. What can I do for you? Yes. My question is, uh, when a city hires a contractor to do, like, road uh, surfacing work, and that surfacing work causes damage to a vehicle, can they exempt themselves from the damage because they hired a contractor? Um, well, uh, they can never exempt themselves from damage anyway because uh, the city, I mean, theoretically it could, legally they could, but they don't. So they are negligent for what they do. And But you can go probably right after the private company. It's far easier who did the work. What did they do that caused you damage? Well, they resurfaced the road in a residential area without notice that the road would be uh, completely blocked off. And when we pulled out to go to work, we were directed by the road servicing people to follow their direction to get out. And in so doing, I picked up uh, tar on my tires, which got gravel, and the gravel caused damage to the fenders as well as the car itself. All right. Well, uh, yeah. Now, have you gone to a a service, a mechanic, and we're able to connect all of that together. Yes, and I've gotten... uh, Sure, put uh, put in a claim. You want to put in a claim with the city? As long as the answer is yes, put in a claim for the city, put in a claim to the service uh, people, the road service crew, that company, and uh, you're going to talk to their insurance company, they're going to tell you to go to hell, and you sue. uh, probably I'd sue them in small claims court. I would just go after them and not so much the city, except if it was a city employee that made you go in a different direction. Then you have to bring the city in, but that becomes a, a huge mess in and of itself. So I would go. It was so. Let me ask. It was the uh, the road service company that put the tar down, correct? Correct. And uh, there were uh, there wasn't a warning or a sign that said "do not enter" or any of that. No, there wasn't. In fact, we were physically being directed by workers on the road. And was it uh, city workers or their workers? Well, their workers. Yeah, then I'd go after them. I'd go after them. And how much damage uh, are we talking about here? It was $3,000 in damage. Uh, And my question basically aroused because the city sent me a letter saying that they contractually work with the contractor and therefore exempt themselves from any damage the the contractor does. I mean, they can try themselves. They could. But you don't want to go through the city anyway. If you can get through the contractor, that's a small claims case, and you go immediately on there. Yeah, that's what I've done. I've yeah, filed that's what, I, that's what you want to do. I think you handle it correctly. Absolutely. Uh, hello, Haley. Hi. Yes, ma'am. What can I do for you? Um, well, I have a question of what type of lawyer would be the best for me, and what kind of what should I go for? Um, I was married for approximately uh, twelve years. I divorced. My ex-husband got remarried, had two children with a new wife, and um, stopped paying me child support uh, roughly uh, six and, six years after our divorce. Why are wait, wait, why, So how long has it been since he has paid you the last child support payment? How many months? How many years ago? It's been about seven years. And you wait seven years, and you have not yet gone after him. 
I have, but there, there's a twist. He uh, he divorced the second wife, put all of the assets in her name, put all of the debt in his name. He he owed other people money besides me, um, and he has recently passed away. And um, since they were divorced, my son is next of kin and got all of his personal belongings, which included and I and I suspected that they were just divorced on paper. Um, to All right, but it, but, in, but as people. of right now, he has no estate, correct? Other than those personal belongings, correct. All right, so where what kind of lawyer do you need? Going after whom? Going after his second ex-wife. And when? And when was? The, and when were? When was? Uh, or were the assets transferred to her? Um, when they divorced, which is how many years ago? Uh, probably. Uh, Six years ago? Yeah, I don't think you have much to go on, Haley. The statute of limitations well, is long gone. I mean, you can well, try. Well, even though, even though she's, uh, she told my son and she also told the funeral director, and he was wearing a wedding ring and had all of her credit cards in his wallet. He also got his cell phone with the You can argue, but text. you're going to have to make an attack on the estate. You're going to have to make an attack at least onto her assets and then argue mm-hmm. fraudulent conveyance and... It is. It's a tough way to go. And how much money do you think is there that she's holding on to that your husband brought to her? Um, I, you know, I have no idea. I just know how much he owes me. He owes me well over a hundred. Yeah, no, I, I understand. But if there isn't money, if there isn't money there, I mean, this is a triple laden lawsuit because right, well, she she told the. Uh, funeral director that they paid off their house. All right, she, fine. That, but uh, so what? I mean, yeah. whatever she told the funeral director, uh, she's number one going to deny it. It's also uh, going to be hearsay anyway. So uh, here, you need a family law attorney, but it's going to be a tough one for you, Haley, because you're not going after anybody who's making any money. You're going after someone or you're going after someone who received assets six years ago. Mm-hmm. And you then you have to unravel the purchase of a house. And it's it's a very, very big deal. But the kind of attorney you go to is a family law attorney. And uh, they'll all give you a, a free consultation, at least the ones on our website. So you can go to handleonthelaw.com. Just say you talk to me and sit down and just have a conversation. But I don't think it's going to go very far, my opinion. But I don't know. Do- what, what about criminal charges? No, that she, won't happen. That won't happen. She admits that it was all. Doesn't matter. It won't happen. First of all, she'll deny it. Uh, no. Second of all, it won't happen. They're going to go, and they're not going to go after her criminally. It's a civil issue. Okay. Yeah. This is. Handle on the law.